Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you to episode number 61 of the Primetime Rundown right here on the Eastern Observer. Our show is presented to you by Black Cats NYC. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Primetime Rundown. Alongside my guys, Ian Schreier and Rob DeLuca, I'm Joey Jarzinka. Can't thank you all enough for joining us here on Home Run Derby Monday here as we are at the midpoint of the Major League Baseball season. Ian Schreier, Rob DeLuca, how are you guys? And Toluca, we didn't see you for about now two weeks. Last time we saw you was in person, but we'll start with you, Deluca. How are you? Doing fantastic. A couple of things came up. Couldn't make the show, but I'm back and I'm ready to go. We got a great show here tonight. It's good to see you boys again. And like always, we're just going to rock everyone's world tonight. Ian Schreier, how are you? Yeah, I, I don't think we can thank Mike Zabo enough for filling in for Rob last week. And I know we got Casey backstage. And the last time I feel like we had Casey on a show was right before the baseball season started. And go figure, all-star break is here. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Ladies and gentlemen, just before we get Casey Bryan on, our show is presented to you by Black Cats NYC. Their newest album, Free Cake, is out now. Play loud. Be sure to get all of their music on Apple Music, Deezer, YouTube, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, Pandora, and Spotify, or wherever you are able to find all of your music. But now, ladies and gentlemen, the moment we've all been waiting for is uh, is one of the best uh, that we have missed. We, we've missed the humor. We've missed a lot of the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles talk. We've missed many, many good stories with Casey Bryant. But first off, we want to say from the entire Eastern Observer family, a big congratulations on your massive move out to the Midwest in Illinois to take on a brand new hockey job as the vice president of broadcasting and media, really crazy stuff. And Casey Bryan is able to fill those shoes that have been left by the previous, uh, previous uh, person there out in Illinois, but Casey welcome and congratulations. And it's been a long time, sir. You know, I saw everyone there with the matching white polo. So I, I didn't know that was the dress code tonight. So I just, Dug out my team branded apparel for tonight. So I'll just, if you could just Photoshop this on to me, that would be great. So I'm not just giving y'all a strip tease as soon as I get on and changing into my polo shirt. But yeah, the Vermilion County Bobcats, give them a follow at VC Bobcats, uh, expansion team in the Southern Professional Hockey League. Uh, so far, so good out here in Danville, Illinois. You can uh, see my. Uh, tastefully decorated apartment behind me. Uh, you know, it's nice and, and plain white because I did not bring any really of my decorations in my first uh, trip out here. My parents are be bringing up the rear with some of the more elaborate decorations. So it's not just asylum white uh, in the background. It's it's the peeled avocado in the corner for me. You know, yeah, this was, this was here when I got here. So, because uh, the apartment came like furnished and I guess that's one of the essential furnishings. Uh, it's actually a load-bearing avocado. So if I try to move it, the whole thing comes tumbling down. So we're just going to leave it as is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I dig it. Brian, back on the show. <laughs> that is really that is really unbelievable. But, Casey, congratulations and really good stuff on your move. And welcome back to the Primetime Rundown. We are extremely grateful to have you back here. But – as we've brought up earlier about the Baltimore Orioles, which at one point last time that we spoke, they were a laughing stock. But the cool thing is, is that tonight they are not because one of their best players and most uh, really courageous players in Trey Mancini will be uh, participating in this year's 2021 T-Mobile Home Run Derby, which is set 
to uh, to kick off or first pitch, if you will, is set to go off around eight o'clock on ESPN. So really good stuff there. Uh, let's get you the field for the home run derby tonight. The number one seed against the the, the eight seed Juan Soto. Uh, Shohei Otani leads the way with 32 home runs. Crazy part is that there were, there were reports a couple of days ago he has not taken batting practice once this year. Really crazy stuff. Uh, Salvador Perez, the four seed, taking on Pete Alonso, the five seed. Then you got the other side of the bracket, the two seed, Joey Gallo, taking on the seven seed, Trevor Story. And then on the bottom of the right bracket, you've got Oakland Athletics first baseman, Matt Olson, taking on the aforementioned Baltimore Orioles, Trey Mancini, the six seed. So there are a total of three rounds and the first round, second round, and the final round, of course, and then the winner, uh, will be taking home the trophy. Pete Alonso is looking to repeat as the uh, or as the defending or to lo- looking to defend his title as the home run derby champion. We'll see what happens in about 54 minutes on ESPN. Guys, uh, obviously, Casey, we were talking about last week with Ian. Um, DeLuca was not here. We were talking about how the home run derby and the uh, the all-star game is now pretty much a laughing stock now that it doesn't really count for anything. The NBA, the NFL, uh, the NHL, and now Major League Baseball, all four pro- professional organizations or sporting organizations here in the United States, all of their all-star games do not count for anything except for just fandom or uh, pure fun, if you will. Uh, talk about what you see here with the Home Run Derby. Does it matter? All-star game, it obviously means nothing. But to you, do you watch it and do you watch it just for laughs? Oh, no, I still watch it. And, you know, to be honest, my team's never been good enough to where they, like, are affected by the results of the All-Star game, home run dirt, like the the home or away advantage. The Mets have made the World Series once in my waking lifetime, uh, (laughs) considering that, you know, I was five in 2000. I always say that championships, if you're still wet in the bed, don't count. they, They weren't during your lifetime. Uh, so it's, it's, so for example, the 2009 Yankees world series doesn't mean anything for Rob, but I'm, sh- um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I still watch the, uh, I still watch the home run derby because it, I think it's different from the slam dunk contest in the NBA and that you don't get tired of watching majestic home runs and the time element of it adds another layer of, of uh, urgency to it. I'm just waiting for like one year where they have like a tournament of champions where hopefully everyone would be healthy or you can have Alonzo Guerrero, Judge Stanton and Shohei and like all of the, and Bryce Harper, all the guys who have dominated the home run derby in the past or would be expected to dominate them so that you can have a mega home run derby because all the guys are cool, but like Matt Olson isn't a sexy name, you know, Aaron judge or John Carlos would be. Uh, So I think that the home run derby though is still really, really cool. Think about how cool it was when Todd Frazier won the home run derby because it was in his home ballpark and it came down to the very last pitch in like the final 10 seconds of the home run derby. But like Todd Frazier isn't a big name. But people look at the not big name slam dunk winners as being a joke. Like when D Brown and and the late nineties, uh, Rick Barry, I think it was in like ninety six, uh, Brent Barry, I think I, I might be wrong. I don't care. See, that's how um, that's how forgettable it was in the nineties. So the slam dunk contest can get stale because there's only so many ways that you can throw a ball into a hoop. The home run derby for me 
it never gets old. And on top of it, too, the cool thing is that, you know, you're in different ballparks every year. And especially, yeah. too, this year, being in Coors Field in in in, uh, in Colorado, uh, we expect maybe 60 home runs off of somebody. I mean, come on. It's, it's going to be one of, I think, one of the most memorable home run derbies in recent history that I could think of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could be going back to, I mean, Junior put on a show in, in Colorado back in 98, which is yes. a great story in of itself. Uh, but to your point about how there's different ballparks, that's why my pitch to Adam Silver is that uh, hoops are different at different heights and different widths uh, for every single ball, uh, every single stadium in the NBA. Make it like Mario basketball and just have there be just this element of randomness uh, for every basketball court. That's my <laughs> that's my pitch. Rob DeLuca, uh, we, we, we spoke about Home Run Derby last week, but for you, what does this mean to you here tonight? For me, well, for me personally, not a whole lot. I mean, I don't have a, a – I don't have, as a Yankees fan, I don't have a player in the Derby tonight, so it's it's not really something – Not there's no really particular rooting interest, I would say. So it, it leaves it open for me to just kind of – Are we losing Rob a little bit? Looks as if that Rob DeLuca has been going through uh, the pre the couple of storms be, that have be something been. like. Oh yeah, we back. You're back. There we go. Rob DeLuca is back, folks. Just just to let everybody know, uh, there are some storms passing through the tri-state area, and where Rob DeLuca is down at the Jersey Shore, uh, it's very possible that we might lose him. Uh, so if we do, we'll, we will hope to get him back on as soon as possible. But me, Ian, and Casey will be able to take forward, uh, take everything on if Rob DeLuca is not here until uh, until either his power goes back on, if he does, in fact, lose it, or the internet uh, is lagging. So oh, I've got, uh, yeah, I've got some of the wor worst of the worst Wi-Fi. I've got an extender yesterday, clearly not doing justice here because here we are, I'm still cutting out. But nonetheless, I'll finish my thought. It's it's fun to see the uh, the sh the showmanship that we're going to see tonight. Guys like Shohei Otani, Joey Gallo, Pete Alonso's out there, Trey Mancini. These guys are these guys are and with the juice balls as they always do for the home run derby to provide the excitement in a place like Coors Field. We're going to have some fun tonight because we're going to see some big bombs out there. 500 footers. I'd love to see if someone flirts with 550 tonight because these balls are absolutely are literally lobbed to these guys, and they, and they crush the ball 400 feet on a normal basis. So I'd love to see what, and that's without juice in the ball. So I'd love to see what in a hitter's park, juiced balls and a lobbed pitch does for them. This is gonna be fun tonight. Ian Schreier, you get to see uh, your all-star first baseman. Look to defend his title here tonight. Uh, we'll see what happens, but he's taking on Salvador Perez. Uh, Salvador Perez has not really been a home run hitter ever since about 2013, 2014, and that was nearly about seven, eight years ago. Uh, but Perez has a little bit of uh, resurgence in terms of uh, you know trying to trying to get his youth back, if you will. Uh, so, what do we got here, Ian? And and we'll start with you in terms of predictions. Well, besides the poor lighting that's going on in my in uh, this area of my house right now, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you know have a, a horse in the race with uh, Pete Alonso defending his title from 2019. I, I think if he and I know that the 
um, home run derby is seeded based on the number of home runs you've hit up to that point. So if Pete Alonso can't find a way to make it past Salvador Perez, I think we've got a problem. Um, but again, I mean, look, we, we've seen crazier things happen in the home run derby. Guys get a little trigger happy and we see them hit a lot of pop-ups, but I think we're expecting a big, big display um, at Coors Field in Colorado tonight for the home run derby. I think the only thing standing, I mean, my prediction for this derby is Shohei Otani. I think he's just going to, I mean, what he's doing right now in the regular season, I mean, put him in a ballpark like Colorado um, to, to just to hit, you know, as a launching pad to hit as many home runs as I'm projecting him to. I think the only guy potentially standing in his way is Pete Alonso, just because I think Alonso is is ready for it. I think he really loved being on that stage two years ago. I think he's primed and ready for the stage tonight. So I think um, my prediction's Otani, but I think Alonso's the only guy standing in his way at this point. So basically what it comes down to is, is that it, for me, this is, you know, this is just my uh, personal opinion here. Coors Field, it is one big toss up and it doesn't matter in terms of the seating. It doesn't matter who is there. And that includes Shoei Otani. I don't care that he's got 32 home runs, leads the majors and has not taken a, a lick of batting practice this whole year. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that the ball can go flying on a single fly ball and, and it could be out of the park and it could be counting as a, counted as a home run. And that's actually why that I have Shohei Otani losing to Juan Soto in the first round, because why not? It is a legitimate toss-up for wherever it could be. In terms of my prediction, I'm going to go on the other side of the bracket, and I'm going to look at the hometown guy in Trevor Story who will come away with this victory. And I could see also... It could be another Todd Frazier type moment because we remember just a few years ago, Casey is shaking his head. He knows exactly what I'm going to say. When Todd Frazier took the crown at Great American Ballpark, he was also a low seed. He was not supposed to be able to win at all, and he won. I could see it happening with Trevor Story, and especially because of the altitude up there, the high altitude, and balls could just go flying. Doesn't matter. One good night for one good hitter can make the difference. Rob DeLuca, your thoughts on uh, on a possible prediction here for the Home Run Derby? Sure. So I'm I'm also I I think Shohei Otani will reach the final. He's to me he's just too good and he's just a great player. However, I don't have him winning either. I I'm going to go a, a little different. I'm going to get the next I'm going to take the next best hitter, you know, next highest seed. I'm going to say Joey Gallo is taking tonight's Home Run Derby. He will be crowned the champion of the 2021 home run derby. Okay. All right. Well, that is, that is big stuff here. And before we get to Casey Bryant, we do have a comment on YouTube from Andrew. Andrew, thank you very much for watching. Uh, I can't see anyone other than Gallo or the Otani Soto winner winning it. Also think judges distance record of 513 will be broken. I 100% agree with you. Oh, yeah. And especially, again, because of Coors Field, uh, high altitude, the ball goes flying. And the ball goes flying on a normal afternoon in Colorado. Why can't it go when you're just lobbing pitches to these home run hitters? Uh, well, I'm not going to call Trey Mancini a home run hitter, but to these home run derby participants, if you will. Casey Bryant, uh, your thoughts on, uh, on a possible winner or your prediction for this 2021 home run derby? You know, I, I love Shohei Otani. I, I really, really do. I own his jersey. And so I, I love, I mean, nothing but respect to Shohei, but I actually think that with everything that he has for this weekend, you know, he's the starting pitcher tomorrow for the American League. 
I don't know if he'll want to win the home run derby. And the fact that he's matched up with Juan Soto in the first round is really interesting because Soto is having a down year in terms of home runs. He does only have 11 to this point. But Juan Soto has a home run hitter swing. Shohei, the thing about him is that he's such a great home run hitter on pitches that you wouldn't expect to be home run pitches. The one that he hit in, in the trop right, where it was middle inside part of the plate and he hit it to left field somehow. I He's he's really good at hitting pitches that you wouldn't expect someone like him to hit. So like Pete Alonso, you know to throw it low in the zone, he'll be able to golf it out. Juan Soto, you bring it in low and inside. Shohei, you can throw it up at the shoulders. You can throw it down at the knees. So you'll have fewer wasted pitches, but at the same time, you don't really have that guaranteed zone where he's going to find a rhythm. And the fact that he doesn't really take batting practice, I don't know how that's going to work against him. So I actually think that Juan Soto is going to make a really deep run. I think he actually might pull out. It'll be Soto against Gallo in the final, and I'll say it'll be a really, really fun final. But I think that Soto is going to make a really big run. Yeah, it's possible, and 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 exactly, you know, and and I hate to keep bringing it up, but also, you know, everything really is just is a big toss up, and especially if Soto were to be able to get past Shohei Otani, the field is completely wide open. There's no doubt about it, and I think that it can happen literally with the guys that that I brought up. And you know what, Pete Alonso, right now, I guess it could be considered an upset in terms of seeds here, uh, as he's sitting on the bottom left hand of the bracket against the four seed Salvador Perez. Could it happen? I don't know. And again, we know we do have three rounds uh, here, round number one, round two, and then a final, of course. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be tons of fun. I, you know, this is, this is the time uh, that really, I always say that this is, you know, peak summer and everything like that. And then after, of course, uh, usually on the night of the all-star game, we begin to see postseason commercials and it really just, uh, you know, it, 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 it just, it breaks my heart because then uh, cold weather comes in and it's really, uh, it's, it, it just, it's unfortunate. Uh, guys, let's keep moving forward here. Eight o'clock Eastern time is the home run derby uh, on ESPN tonight. So for those that are watching, uh, make sure you remember our predictions uh, for tonight's uh, derby. Guys, midseason grades for the following teams. I'm going to start plucking them out. We don't have the exact teams written down, but I'm going to start with the biggest one here, and that's the Chicago Cubs. They went on an 11-game losing streak. They looked like absolute poo-poo, and uh, they were unable to get anything going for 11 straight games. And now uh, they are going to be sellers. I want to start with you, Ian, because you have been – not only you've been a Mets fan forever, but – uh, all I've been hearing from you is, is you know, the, the, the possible trade, uh, you know, the, the, the trade possibilities of could it be Kyle Hendricks? Could it be Chris Bryant coming? Uh, but then we've also heard how, uh, how Stevie Cohen over there, or Uncle Stevie, as you guys call him, uh, you know, you don't want to give up the big names in the Brett Beatty's of the world, uh, the Francisco Alvarez's of the world. You don't want to give those guys up. So what do the Mets do? What do the Chicago Cubs do? And what grade do you give him, uh, give him as we are now at the official midway point of the season here on July 12th? So, so you, you asked me quite a bit there, Joey. Let me, let me slow that down for a second. So you're asking me my prediction, my grade on, on the Cubs and what I'm projecting if there is any deadline movement between the Mets and the Cubs? Yes, sir. All right. So, um, you know, I didn't know really what to expect. When we had our um, our – pre-opening day show with the four of us here uh I, I really didn't know what to make of the cubs or really the nl central as a whole i think we all thought that that division could be much of a toss-up um and i think we i kind of gave the cubs a little bit of an edge because 
of the experience they had in that lineup, you know, notwithstanding the fact that the Cardinals had acquired Arenado. Um, and and my, you know what? And considering how they started the season and where they are now, I'm actually surprised that they got out to the hot start they did. I gave them a, a C uh, for a grade. I know that they're I know that they're in a tailspin. I know that they're sellers at the deadline. This is a team that is now going to be on the start of a rebuild. Um, Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo are both impending free agents. It looks like Chris Bryant's going to be traded. It looks like that entire team right now could possibly be traded, with the exception maybe of Jason Hayward, because um, I just don't think anybody wants to take on that contract. So. Uh, yeah, I gave the Cubs a C, but with respect to uh, a, a trade, I think if they if the Mets wanted to go out there and go after a Kyle Hendricks, w- with who's a guy that still has four years left on his deal at a pretty high price tag, I think they would want. You know, I know that's the player Francisco Alvarez is the player that the Cubs were asking for in return for a guy like Chris Bryant or Kyle Hendricks. Right now, Chris Bryant's a rental player, so we have to remember that as well. So I think right now, if the, if the Mets wanted to go out and get Chris Bryant when J.D. Davis got hurt and, and the Mets were, were, were had all these injuries, then, yeah, I think you would have had to pony up a player like that. At this point, halfway through the season, I don't think they're going to have to pony up a, an Alvarez, a Beatty, maybe a Vientos, but um, I think Brian is more of a reasonable acquisition for the Mets and a much net, a very necessary um, acquisition because they we said before the season that they were probably missing one more bat. Chris Bryant gives them that right-handed stability because the Mets cannot hit left-handed pitching right now. Um, so I think if anything that we're going to see between the Mets and the Cubs, it'll be a deal for Chris Bryant at the deadline or if not beforehand. Now, if if the Mets are not the team that the Cubs do business with, mm-hmm. who do we see possibly going? Does it have to be Chris Bryant? Do you see possibly a full fire sale in Chicago? I think I think everybody is. I mean, there's been talks of Jock Peterson to the Yankees. Um, there's been talk, of, obviously, of Chris Bryant to the Mets. I mean, I haven't heard too much rumor surrounding Javi Baez because Javi Baez is, just swings at everything. Um, I, I mean, he's just such an unpredictable hitter. Um, Anthony Rizzo his, has regressed excessively. Um, I mean, he, he's hitting below 200 right now. He's become strictly a pull hitter instead of you know, in the years where he was in a, a front runner for an MVP award, you'd see him shoot the ball a lot the opposite way. He's become strictly at his age now, 10 years into the business, more of a pull guy. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think, you know, if a team is desperate for, for a gold glove first baseman that, you know, hey, look, what about the Yankees with that short right field, you know, with that right field porch? But um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a, if it's not a full fire sale, then that team's going to come apart in the offseason. Yeah. Casey Bryant, your thoughts on uh, on really the Cubs as a whole because it's just a disaster out there. And like I said earlier, an 11-game losing streak is what they went on. They eventually were able to get out of that slump, but uh, things are not looking too well up in uh, up in northern Chicago. And no, and the, the funny thing is, is that these rumors have really been circulating about the Chicago Cubs since the beginning of the season, and they got off to a pretty good start. They were in the running for that NL Central lead because it's not the strongest of divisions. And then the Brewers started to pull away and separate themselves from the pack a little bit, unexpectedly so. And we really kind of expected kind of a more of a mediocre race, more of like what the NL East looks like right now, where no one is really a great team separating themselves. We expected that to be the same in the NL Central. But now the Brewers are starting to put themselves a leg above everybody else. And with the Cubs in free fall right now, you've started to open up. Now no one is untouchable. I don't think that Anthony Rizzo is going to go anywhere if only just because I can't see him playing anywhere else other than with the Cubs. I think he'll sign an extension and retire with the Cubs. Wow. Chris Bryant is going to go. 
It's just a matter of where. And Craig Kimbrell is one, going to be one of the sexiest names on the trade deadline market because of how he's reinvented himself miraculously, uh, investigation or no investigation. He's been pitching really well. So I'm I am not insinuating anything. I am merely pointing out he went from having a 7 ERA to now he's having one of the best seasons from a modern closer in the midst of one of the largest pitching scandals in MLB history. That's all I'm saying. I'm merely presenting points. You draw the conclusions however you see fit. But he seems to be pitching really, really well. He'll be one of the most attractive figures for, on the trade market. So – for the Cubs, I wouldn't get too attached to anyone on this roster, which is a shame because I'm in Cubs country now. I'm out in the Midwest, so I've got my fingers on the pulse. They already lost Duncan Keith today. How much more loss can they deal with out here in the Midwest? <laughs> that is that is very true. And you know what? We were actually going to discuss the uh, the Chicago White Sox, but we'll have to do that another time since uh, since time is going to be a factor. Rob DeLuca, uh, the Chicago Cubs we brought up earlier. I, I want to know your grade, too. Oh, that's right, Casey. Before we get to, to, to DeLuca, what do you give the grade thus far for the Cubs? Uh, for a whole season, I you have to give it, I, I guess, a D plus. I mean, you there were no expectations really to begin with. You were already kind of held together with duct tape and rubber bands. You weren't going to make a really deep run. You have individual great players, but no depth. And that's the problem. It doesn't help that Ian Happ got off to just a buns start. And Javi Baez, as you mentioned, very free swinger. He's become sort of a, a different player than he was in 2016. 2016, yeah. he was all the rage. He was this youth flavor. He's this entertaining guy. But those entertaining factors become more annoying when you you can't draw a walk. Your fielding starts to go a little bit. You know, And let's face it, they're, they're five years older now than they were in 2016 when they won a World Series title. So yeah. I think you were kind of hoping against hope that they would overperform. They haven't. And now you're just battening down the hatches and waiting for things to get a whole lot worse from here. You know what's crazy, too? This is a stat that I want to bring out to, or you know, tell everybody here. Their home record, 28-17 and 17 is their home record. Their road record is 16-29. and 29. And that's their biggest downfall right now. They're also two of their last 10. Uh, and they they just lost yesterday uh, to Arizona. Really, really crazy stuff, fellas. Uh, Rob DeLuca, we conclude with you with the Chicago Cubs. Let's finish off with a great as well. The Cubs for me, I have to give them a D. I mean, this is not the Chicago Cubs team we thought we'd see. I mean, the, like Casey said, they were kind of a toss-up. It wasn't really sure. We weren't really sure what we were going to see out of the NL Central this year, but I can tell you that this is not the Chicago Cubs that anybody is used to it in the last five, in the last six, seven years now. We are used to seeing the Cubs being a successful team. So this is a little new for them. We are going to see some, some house cleaning here. I would personally say yes, that when Casey brought up Craig Kimbrell, he has, he's having one of the best turnaround seasons I've ever seen. He's having a great year. And there's a certain team in New York City, specifically the Bronx, that I think should be giving the Chicago Cubs a call about Craig Kimbrell and, your mind. and trying to get a uh, real closer out there in the Bronx. Because you're, what out, of the, your, you're out of your mind. You, I, you, you, you knew this. You, you had to know it was coming in, Ian. You had to know that was coming. You had to know the tie-in was going to happen. 
because it's the tie-in. It's the fact that I'm, I'm leaving it alone. I can't <laughs> believe you actually <laughs> brought that up. And I can't believe you actually brought that to life because I'll tell you right now, there is one word and it's no. Let's go on. Well, here's here's what you do. You trade her all this Chapman to the Chicago Cubs and get Glaber Torres back. That's all you do. <laughs> hey, as simple as that. Wait, I think that worked. Casey, that might just be bold enough to work. There you go. Round two. Ra round two. But no, nonetheless, joke joking aside, this is not the Craig Campbell's having a great year. He's right. He's going to be the biggest name in the trade deadline market right now. He's more than likely leaving, much like Chris Bryant. So the, the Cubs are going to be shipping out a lot of pretty names here. I will say I agree with Casey that Anthony Rizzo is probably not leaving. Javi Baez probably isn't leaving. But Chris Bryant, Craig Kimbrell, Kyle Hendricks, guys like this more than likely are done by the deadline in a Cubs uniform. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree there. And to see what the Chicago Cubs have done, they've been underwhelming. Uh, it's been it's been really sad. Casey brought up the perfect point that they're they're really held together by duct tape and rubber bands because right now at 44 and 46, they are eight games behind the Milwaukee Brewers. It's really not a good deal for them. Uh, we knew that they uh, when when they lost, and obviously John Lester is not is not really the you know. The, the glue that held everything together. But when you lose guys like John Lester, uh, you, you lose a couple of years ago, Jake Arietta. the writing was on the wall. Uh, and on top of it too, when you also heard uh, the Ricketts family speak about uh, how they were unable to afford certain players, they were unable to afford uh, a lot of things. And, 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 and Casey can, you know, pretty much roll his eyes similar to the way I did when I heard it. Um, they simply, they, they simply don't want to pay. That's, that's, that's kind of what it comes down to. And I think that we will, uh, I don't think we're ever going to see a 105 year drought again, uh, in terms of the world series, but I do believe that it's going to be a long time before, uh, the world series, uh, world series trophy ever lands back, uh, in Wrigleyville. There's no doubt about it. it it's, it's really bad. I'm going to give them a D plus as well. And the only plus there is that they've got some assets to sell. That's the only difference. And that's the only reason why uh, I, I, I tell Ian Schreier uh, with his C grade. Um, what the hell are you thinking? Um, I, but you know what? My, my C came on the heels of honestly, I, I, I think that my C came on the heels of the fact of how they got the start that they got out to. And yeah. I, and I, and there wasn't a lot of expectation yeah. there. And I think that, um, you know, they, they still had the assets, as you said, Joey. And yeah, I think they were, um, you know, a little bit combobulated, but I think at the same time, I didn't expect them to lose, you know, what, 12 or 14 or whatever the streak yeah. is at now. Um, this is a, you know, was a little bit of a surprise that this was the division we expected to be, you know, we didn't know who was going to pull away with it, but uh, I gave them a C because I thought that they actually, they got, they got out to considering where they are now, the start that they got out to, I'm going to give them a little credit for it. So it's I don't definitely they, fair. I, I don't think they've been a complete failure. I don't, you know, I wouldn't put them at, at the same level as the Arizona Diamondbacks or the Baltimore Orioles. Like to me, they're to me, they're a C, C, C minus. Yeah. I gave that's, them a C. That's definitely fair. Uh, you can't forget about the, uh, the the greatest team of all time, the Pittsburgh Pirates, as well, who uh, who are beginning to get some uh, some some talent and and Casey coming together. Don't yes. you guys and, even start there. Don't and, start. And, and we're not gonna we're not gonna speak about we're not gonna speak about the Pittsburgh Pirates. But what I do want to say though is is that uh, from what we've heard in terms of reports, the Pirates are already beginning to take to field calls 
on their two all-stars in Brian Reynolds and Adam Frazier. And they haven't even been how they've been household names for about, I don't know, three months now. And now they're beginning to take calls on these players that Adam Frazier is, is one of the best all around hitters of in baseball right now. And they're, they, and they're taking calls on him. Why? Because they might as well maximize his value now uh, while you can, because a lot of these, these uh, Pittsburgh pirates players, they're usually flashes in the pan. That's really what it comes down to. So might as well get what you can, and uh, yeah, really, really bad stuff out there in pits in in in, uh, in, in pirate land. But uh, guys, the the next team I want to do a couple of grades on uh, is the San Francisco Giants. Uh, I got to tell you, they had no expectations this year, and right now they are uh, they're cruising. Right now, they're on a four game winning streak, and in their last ten, they've won seven of their last ten, fifty seven and thirty two. At home, they are nearly unbeatable. Thirty wins out of forty-three games played uh, out at Oracle Park uh, on the Bay. And and Casey, I want to start with you. The San Francisco Giants. Uh, first off, they actually got a brand new jersey, which we'll get to in just a moment, uh, because you know you're the jersey aficionado. That's number one. Number two, also speak about their uh, their hot start and really can they keep it up? And one final question: your grade on the giants uh, through the first half of the 2021 season. Well, the, the grade on the, on the giants fog is a, is a F plus. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give them a plus, uh, which stands for Disney plus, which is the Jersey that it looks like it belongs on. Uh, it looks like one of those like $50,000 to make kind of Disney channel movies about a ragtag band of misfits that if they just believe hard enough, they can win the, the world championship. Isn't that, called, isn't that called the bench warmers, Casey? <laughs> if the bench warmers wore that, they would, they would still look just as laughable, but you know, the grade for the Giants' season though, I mean, it has to be an a, I, yeah. because the giants really don't have any weak, points in their starting rotation I and mean, their weakest pitcher right now is Johnny Cueto who is still a veteran presence for them in that starting rotation he can turn it around he has that capability but Kevin Gosman has been terrific for them all season Baltimore Plus, Orioles legend Kevin Gosman you see you see the vision you see the vision. <laughs> I mean You've got a whole lot of talent on that team of guys that you wouldn't expect to have a great year, but they're just the right mesh of players. It's the old, the old Herb Brooksism, right? You're not looking for the best players. You're looking for the right players. Yeah. But Evan Longoria, even though he's hurt right now, is hitting 280. Buster Posey, hurt right now, hitting 330. These are guys that haven't really been themselves in several years, finding the fountain of youth. And you've got Wilmer Flores playing a very critical role on this team. And you yeah, know how does that make you feel? You know what? Good for him. Good for him. Cause like, he's not a special player. He's exactly what he is right now. He's hitting 255. He's got nine home runs. He's not, it's not, Oh my God, he's lighting the world on fire. LOL Mets, LOL. <laughs> it's like he's doing exactly what he was doing before just on a winning team. Yeah. And you know what? Good for him because he deserves happiness. He's a good guy. So the Giants, I don't see how you can give them anything other than an A unless you're talking about their wardrobe. Rob DeLuca, I don't know how you could top that, but uh, <laughs> I can't. let's see. Let's see what uh, – and, and I know there's really there's really no topping anything uh, anything that Casey says in terms Thank of the much. jersey part. Uh, but your thoughts if on the San Francisco – audience, tip your waitress. Have a good night. Uh <laughs> 
San Francisco Giants, uh, your thoughts on them this uh, this first half of the season? Oh, they get an overwhelming A from me. This is unbelievable. This team was supposed to tread third place for the entire season in that division, and they and they are cru- absolutely cruising. I could cannot believe that we have seen this from the San Francisco Giants. I mean, look, I love it because I just love how it's different than from what was expected. It was supposed to be a two-team race between the Dodgers and the Padres, and it's just the San Francisco Giants running completely away with it, and I love it. I hope they continue this stretch and pull away, blow blow out the NL West, blow it out completely. Like, really make something of it, of this incredible run, because now that it's the All-Star break, honestly, that's where I'll make a little devil's advocate. This is probably one team that didn't want the All-Star break coming, was the San Francisco Giants. The last thing they wanted was a break, because this is a team that is on – a roll and they when it, when it's rolling you never want it to stop it's like when you're it's like you're your UFC fighter and you, you you get a stoppage from the referee on something you you don't want it you just you're like no 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 let's go let's go like keep yeah. it rolling keep it rolling keep it moving and that's exactly what the San Francisco Giants so while they get an A there's no question about that i'm curious to see what will happen post all-star break and we and go from there you look at some of the outcasts on this team. You look at Baltimore Orioles legend Kevin Gosman. You look at Alex Wood as well, L.A. Dodgers legend. You look at former Colorado Rockies legend Jake McGee. You know where I'm going with that, Casey? <laughs> In that trade, okay, Colorado, Tampa Bay. Uh, Jake McGee has 19 saves on the season. Johnny Cueto. Uh, Logan Webb, they have a formidable one through five. Really crazy stuff out there. And and it's really nuts because we have not seen uh, the San Francisco Giants be relevant since they won the World Series back in 2014. That was the last time that they were really relevant. And now we're seeing, uh, and, and, and Ian, I need you as the sports information director to really get this, this pronunciation correct because I always mess it up. Uh, Anthony Discalafani, I believe. Anthony Discalafani. Yeah, sure. That, yeah, that works. Uh, Reds legend, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yes. Cincinnati Reds legend. Uh, he's 10 and three with a two, six, RA, uh, in, in 18 games started. That's really unbelievable. And finding the fountain of youth is Brandon Crawford as well at age 34 batting 289, 18 home runs leads the team and has already to his name, 58 RBIs. That's really unbelievable stuff. Uh, he's, he's, if I'm not mistaken, he's uh, in how many games played 79. He's on pace to get around 120 RBIs this year. That's, that's some pretty good stuff. Ian Schreier, let's conclude with you uh, with the San Francisco Giants. It's around the horn. It's an A for the San Francisco Giants. I mean, uh, I had it listed here, too, about saying that they found the fountain of youth. Of, of youth. Uh, Buster Posey, Evan Longoria, um, and then you look at the rotation, Alex Wood, Anthony DiScofani. I mean, this is a team that is 57 and 32. We would have thought they would have been 32 and 57 yeah. uh, coming into the year with, with these type of over-the-hill players that they had. Um, Gabe Kapler is 
arguably the front runner for National League Manager of the Year. Is there any questioning it? I mean, I'm not going to keep rehashing the same points that Casey and Rob did because I'm going to keep saying the same thing over and over again. So I, I'm going to I'm going to look at this from a different perspective. I'm going to look a little bit towards the postseason now because when 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 you look at the National League West. And you look at the three teams that top the National League West, the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Giants. It's highly likely, um, not even highly likely, it's definitely, it's going to happen that if the Giants win the division, the Dodgers or the Padres are going to be out of the playoffs after one game. I mean, think about what that means to teams like the Mets or the Brewers. I mean, you're going to have the Giants or the Dodgers or the Padres playing their division rival. Um, that comes out of the wild card game while the Mets face the Brewers in the other National League Division Series game if those two divisions hold up. That's, I mean, that's got to be a welcoming sight. I know you don't want to look forward to October, but at the same time, the National League West is so loaded that they're going to beat up on each other till the, till the NLCS. It's crazy. Yeah, that's really something else. Uh, guys, let's keep on moving here. Uh, I'm going to personally give them an A, and I have to tell uh, all of the Philadelphia Phillies fans uh, it's okay uh, that, you know, Gabe Kapler was the analytics guru and really the start of the whole analytics, uh, the, the analytics drama in Major League Baseball. And right now what he's doing out in San Francisco, he had a formidable team out in, in Philadelphia, but obviously, you know, with the experience and everything in San Francisco, I mean, it's really all coming together. And right now with what he's doing, with what Andrew Bailey is doing, as well as the pitching coach out there, really great stuff. Uh, how he's getting these guys, this formidable one through five, that again, these guys are all outcasts uh, with the exception of Johnny Cueto, of course. Um, he won a World Series in 2015. Sorry, Mets fans, but that really is the truth. Um, he, he he did well, and he's been he's been really, I think, what, Casey, the, the, the worst starter out of that five, um, I would say, fellas, uh, just from, you know, looking at some of the stats and, uh, things like that. Guys, one more team that I want to get to here uh, in our little midseason prediction are the Boston Red Sox. I hate to say it as a diehard Yankees fan, but again, you have to tip the cap to them 55 and 36. They've uh, they've gone five and five in their last 10. They they've lost two. Tampa Bay is right behind them. But Boston, you want to talk about a team with zero expectations. There's a lot of people that took them with an under 80 and a half games one in some sports bets. Guys, Ian Try, I want to start with you. Boston, what is this all about? It's an A for me, man. <laughs> the Boston Red Sox are 100% an A. Um, you said it best. Their record at the All-Star break, 55 and 38. They've scored the third most runs in baseball. I don't think there was any question coming in for Alex Cora's team. I mean, I think it just shows how important Alex Cora is to that franchise and how he gets the most out of his players, uh, whether he cheated in Houston or not. Um They've scored the, again, they've scored the third most runs in baseball. They just beat the ever loving snot out of the ball. And then when you look at the rotation, it's nothing pretty. I mean, Nate. Oh, it's nothing, period. (laughs) I mean, Nathan Avaldi is an all star. Think about that. I mean, he's got, he's his, I mean, considering (laughs) what is in that rotation, Martin Perez, Nick Pavetta, Garrett Richards. You know, Nate Evaldi. I mean, I'm going down the list here of of the Sox rotation, and Evaldi is the best one of it. I mean, he's got an ERA under four. So, I mean, credit to Evaldi for for rejuvenating his career in Boston this year. He's got a strikeout ratio that's five to one (laughs) in Fenway, in Fenway, no less. That's just wild. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I have. I think they need to go out there at at the deadline and acquire an arm. They need to put somebody 
behind Evaldi if Evaldi's going to be the ace. They need a legit number two behind them because they just really don't have much two through five. But, I mean, if they can keep living off scoring runs the way they're scoring runs, I mean, look, there's a reason that they have the division lead that they do because the other teams, I mean, maybe besides the Rays because the Yanks aren't hitting. So it's uh, it's an A for me with Boston. I mean, they were projected for eight and a half wins. I was projecting under, under and they are well – they are about – on pace for 30 wins above that right now. Well, something I want to bring up here before we get to uh, to Casey here is, is that you bring up about the rotation. Uh, we also have to remember that Chris Sale is still on that team. He is right now on the 60-day IL. What is he worth uh, at this point now, Joe? He's, 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 not mu- he's not worth much, but again, you might think to yourself, maybe if they can get him back before the trade deadline, they could see what they're working with and see if they have to trade away assets you know, because the last couple of years they've been sellers. Now to be buyers, they have to see what they've got in Chris Sale to you know regain that. I would say number three spot. He's not going to get that one seed. You know that that uh, that the the ace spot right away. He's got to work up to that. He just he's coming off the Tommy John surgery. Casey Bryant, your thoughts on uh, the Red Sox? You know, I look. I'll happily raise my hand and go. Yep, that was me who picked the under for eighty and a half wins you know i will happily eat crow on that i'm wrong frequently uh but my the reason why i i say that is because i never questioned that they would be able to score runs their offense was going to be there i thought that their pitching was going to be atrocious and honestly in my defense their pitching has not been great but it has been their offense that has carried them through because everything that could go right has been going right jd martinez is now back to his 2019 ways as a putting that shortened season of last year behind him. Raphael Devers is taking that next step. Xander Bogarts is continuing to prove that that 30 home run year two years ago was not a fluke. He's he's really grown into one of the best shortstops in baseball. So now the question is, all right, do we go all in and sell our core again to try to make another run at a World Series? You made such a big fuss about clearing – you know, salary tax, whatever, uh, for Mookie Betts getting rid of him, but you brought in Verdugo, who... They were another one. They were another one. I don't mean to interrupt you. They were another one that said, we can't afford him. Yeah, exactly. So they made a big stink about that, and to their defense, they did bring in Verdugo, who's having a, a good year. He's not Mookie Betts, but he's having a good year. But now you have... Does that maybe... If you really want to put your money where your mouth is, and you're like, all right, we we took off his contract off the book so that we could make a push on a smaller budget. Fine. So go out and get Anthony Rizzo. Try to pry him away so that you can replace Bobby Dahlbeck at first base and get a better option there to really, like, if you're going to lean into your offense, go get a big first baseman. Put Chris Bryant. Can Chris Bryant play first? Sure, why not? Give him a glove. Tell him how easy it is, Wash. It's extremely difficult. Uh, (laughs) Have him play first base. You know, or if you want to go out and get a starter – Again, pilfer the Cubs. Go get Hendricks. Try to get someone from there. So I, I really – the pitching is the biggest point of question, but there are still enough areas to address on the offense where if you really want to lean into this, we're going to rock them, sock them to you, go get a big slugger. Why not? The Cubs are sitting right there. Or the Pirates, they're sitting right there. Stripping. I, I don't know. All I know is, is that Anthony Rizzo going back to where it all began – I don't know. Very possible, but I think it would take a lot for the Red Sox to to pry him away, especially with terms still uh, in Rizzo. Rob DeLuca, uh, let's conclude with you here with the Red Sox. 
at this point, what else is new? The Red Sox go through a couple bad years, and then they're right back to be they're right back to getting themselves into the playoff hunt, playoff talks, needing to buy at the deadline. It's it's a never end it's a never ending cycle with the Red Sox since two thousand and four. Really, I mean that's pretty much what we have seen with the Red Sox since they broke the Bambino curse back in two thousand and four. They yeah. oh, the, oh five they were all right oh six they were all right oh seven they win it again. Then they, then it was a, a little Colorado, bit of, yeah. yeah a little bit of downhill little little bit of uphill a little bit of downhill twenty thirteen champions and then then it was down 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 down. But then shoot right back up in 2018, World Series champions, and then it was that, da- and then it was very down, worse again, and now we're now we're here in 2021, and it's it's just a never-ending cycle. You got to give them an A, and they're likely going to buy, and they're gonna they're gonna be a for- with offense like that. If it holds up, they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen there. Um, oh, I can with them. It's 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 brutal. Uh, it it listen as a diehard Yankees fan myself, it's very difficult to see the Boston Red Sox do well. But at the same t- or but at the same time, though, it's pretty admirable to watch when oh, really they 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 don't have a lot of pieces and a lot of big name pieces, and they are getting it done. And you know, it, it it makes you wonder: Is Alex Cora still doing some uh, some things that are over there? I don't think so. But yeah, I wonder. That that with, I wonder. Better. I wonder that with the Astros and Jose Altuve. <laughs> but let's digress from that. It 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 just shows. It just shows that really Alex Cora might just be good at his job. Oh, um, really? No, he is. He's one of the best managers in baseball. Let's stop denying this. Which, by the way, speaking of, did you guys see the the picture of Jose Altuve shirtless like after that walk-off from running against the Yankees? I saw one tweet that was like, this is the equivalent of someone robbing a bank, coming back three years later and turning out your pocket saying, see, it couldn't have been me. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, because it, it, goes, it goes like this. Like, you know, uh, what's his name? Correa or Bregman, one of them. Yeah. Oh, he's got, a really ba- he's got a really bad tattoo. Dog, that was one of the that was one of the most disappointing tattoos I've ever seen in my life. You're telling me it took two years and it still looks like that. He's well, I think be- a lot of that had to do also with, with Judge kind of going at Altuve, understandably, because of the cheating. So I I think it was just Altuve's response for him to hit the walk off that he did and remove the shirt and say, look, we don't need we don't need the you know the garbage cans to cheat you know to win games when we just walk off on you. But <sighs> unbelievable. Unbelievable stuff, fellas, but uh, good stuff in terms of midseason predictions here as we head into the all-star break beginning tonight. Home Run Derby will begin in roughly about nine minutes, but our show will continue on. Uh, Guys, nine more minutes until we get Green Bay Packers uh, beat writer for The Athletic and the host of the podcast, head of the pack, Matt Schneidman. He will be with us beginning at the top of the hour to discuss the NFC North and most notably uh, the Green Bay Packers and their dilemma and their drama show uh, in Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. But before we get to there, let's conclude uh, our hour here with Casey Bryant. And guys, uh, Ronald Acuna of the Atlanta Braves, done for the year with the torn ACL. Uh, Ian, I want to start with you. Where do the Braves go now? And this completely changes the trajectory of their trade deadline, of their postseason hopes, and just their 2021 season as a whole? 
I'm not sure where they go, honestly. I mean, maybe they maybe they look into a guy like an Adam Frazier if the Pirates are selling him. I mean, you, you, it's really difficult to, to say where do the Braves go when you've lost a top three player in baseball, um, you know, like, like Ronald Acuna and the talent that he is. I mean, Ronald Acuna, arguably, because Freddie Freeman's bat has not been there the first half of the season, has single-handedly kept the Atlanta Braves alive in a really horrible National League East right now. Um, you know, Ozzy Albies, very slow start. Um, Marcelo Zuna, everything that happened with him off the field. So he's at, he's done for the year. Um, Travis Darno has been hurt. Uh, I mean, this is a team that is just, you know, <laughs> has had so many pins stuck in it um, just with injuries. And then when you look at the pitching and you look at the, you know, Mike Soroka is not coming back and Max Fried struggles and the fact Charlie Morton hasn't been the pitcher that they were hoping to acquire when they got him from Tampa. I, I, I honestly, I mean, I think at this point, I don't want to say like, the Braves are a team that's going to lay down and die. No, I don't expect that's what Alex Anthopoulos is going to do. Um, I think they'll try to be active because the NL East is not a runaway, and that's all. Um, and I'll just say it now that that's more than anything on the fault of Louis Rojas and the Mets as to why that division is not a runaway yet. But um, nevertheless, I, I, I honestly don't know where they go, Joey. I mean, I think, if anything, I mean, there's not too many names in terms of outfielders uh, that are right now being discussed as available assets. I mean, the Yankees are not selling. I mean, otherwise, maybe you want to talk about Judge. But, um, no, I mean, a guy like Adam Frazier, I mean, you want to call the Cubs about Jock Peterson. Um, you want to, you know, talk to the Indians about Eddie Rosario. I mean, like, there, there's there's really no one out there right now for them to replace a player of Acuna, Acuna's level or stature at this point. Yeah, it, it's tough. And you look at their record, they're one game under 500. they They're seven games back of the wild card. Uh, and they are four games back. Uh, of the New York Mets, who lead the division right now, they're six and four in their last ten, uh, and they are all their uh, run differential is plus nineteen. They're really five hundred the whole the whole way home and away. Uh, but their 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 games against teams that are over five hundred, uh, the worst in the National League East, eighteen and twenty seven. Can't wait to see what happens there. Casey, uh, we'll start with you, or we'll uh, we'll start with you in terms of Atlanta. What do they do? You know, I could see them, again, like going after a guy like Jock because you need a quarter outfielder to kind of replace Ronald Acuna and hopefully someone with a little bit of pop to try to get a little bit of power back because that is really the, the foundation of their lineup. They have enough guys that are more contact hitters. Guillermo Heredia is that kind of guy where he's he's not going to knock one out of the park very frequently, so he, you rely on him for singles and doubles. Uh, Ozzy Albies isn't your prototypical home run hitter. He does – have 15 this season, but again, he's more of a contact guy, get you doubles, keep the line moving, that kind of hitter. So you can kind of go for a, a home runner strikeout kind of guy, the one true outcome kind of guy like Jock Peterson, and not be burned too badly. And plus, I mean, they have Pablo Sandoval, who isn't much of a hitter anymore, but I mean, he's Pablo Sandoval. How can you possibly root against that? He's got a giant panda head in the dugout. I mean, that's, that's the true mark of a winning franchise. Uh, everything that could go wrong for the Atlanta Braves has gone wrong with all the injuries and all the off-field things. It, it really is a marvel at how many things have gone wrong for them this season. Uh, right down to the absurdist injuries where Mike Soroka tears his Achilles walking into the clubhouse. I mean, that's that's – that's one where you shake your head and you go that we must have built this this new ballpark on on a burial ground and they only moved the headstones like in poltergeist like that it's it's you start to question your luck at that point but the Braves are a very difficult team to kill 
Uh, as being in the NL East for so long, you know, you learn that very quickly. No matter who is in a Braves uniform, they're very difficult to kill. So I will, I do think that they will be in buy mode. I think they'll be much more active, maybe not getting the biggest names, but getting those kind of B and C tier names where like you look at a guy like Jock Peterson, try to get a guy like Jake Odorizzi or someone, someone on a downswing and try to reclaim them and, and get something out of them. You know, if Jake Arrieta comes back healthy, he's not having a very good year, but maybe he's got something left in the tank. Yeah. Guys like that who they are hoping can be a patchwork until other reinforcements in some way, shape, or form come. Yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely tough, and especially with Alex, uh, Alex Anthopoulos' team, so even going back to Toronto, uh, you do what you can to buy, 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 and that's exactly what he's going to do uh, down in Atlanta, especially in a not-so-much-competitive uh, NL East. Everything really right now is just plateaued with all the teams, with the exception of, of the Miami Marlins. Uh, and soon, if the Washington Nationals keep it up, uh, they'll be down low with the Marlins and uh, Donnie Baseball uh, down at the basement of the NL East. Rob DeLuca, let's conclude uh, that segment with you. I, I, you know what? You got, here's something we got to wonder. Was this kind of a, a sign for the Braves that it might just be over? Like, is, is the window shut? No. Did, did, no. It, clo- did it close on them? No. You know, you, because everything, but you, you're not, you're not wrong there, but let's think about what Casey said. Everything that's, that could go wrong for the Braves at this point this season has. And now they've lost arguably the best player in all of baseball, top three minimum, like at, at worst. And you, you just wonder how can things get worse from here? And then you knock on wood, but then next thing you know, something else could go wrong. Like the Braves are not anywhere in this race right now. This Bob, is the best. Me- remember something here, but it, 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 you've got a lot of guys right now that are on team control deals. I mean, you look at, no, you're not wrong, you but at, you know, you look at Dansby Swanson, you look at Ozzy Albies. I mean, you still have Freddie. Right? Pace. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying fire sale or anything. I'm saying, are they really going to go out of their way to buy something? Well, when they to, no, but they have to get healthy. They have to get healthy. Yeah, no, they got to get healthy. But of course, but you, you, you. I maybe see what you're trying to say. Maybe they'll just let to maybe they'll just let time do that, as opposed to trying to just patch a bleeding wound. That's not necessarily going to heal at least this year because look, they're seven games out of the wild card. They're over 10 games out behind the Mets. This, this, the NL East race is, and I know I'm going to freak the two to my, to my, to, to screen left and above me crazy, but this NL East race is close to over. So like there's not a whole lot of hope to be had in Atlanta right now. So I wouldn't necessarily go crazy buying something that's just going to fill a hole until next year when Acuna is healthy again. Okay. Rob, is, Rob is just trying to prepare us for his trade proposal of LoCastro for Albies and Acuna. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when George Costanza works for the Yankees and he walks into the center's office and he goes, you know, I think that we can get Bonds and Griffey. And we had not- <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that. Best reference of all time. That's how he goes out? Are you serious? I'll tell you this, fellas. No, I completely disagree with with uh, with Rob there. There's no doubt about that. First off, this team is far from 
over in terms of their window. Their window is just beginning. That's number one. Number two, also, I think that they are not going to be aggressive buyers. That's what I agree with Rob DeLuca with. I don't think that they're going to go out and they're going to spend all of their prospects or get or spend top dollar on a guy like a Kyle Hendricks or a Craig Kimbrell or even a Chris Bryant because it's not going to put them over the top against a team that I'm going to say this, like the San Francisco Giants that really have from top to bottom all the way down They're they're really unbelievable. It's not even going to get them back in the NL East race. Like there's no reason to, that's what I'm trying to say is there's no reason to go out and aggressively buy something that's, yeah. that's just patchwork. There's yeah, don't, don't spend on patchwork, spend on what you still have, which is their window. And that they've got time, as you said, but don't, Go insane to try to fix a season that at at this point, this brave season might be lost. This specific one is likely in the gutter. Let yeah, it be. I disagree there. I, I, I agree with you there. I completely disagree with you on their window. I think their window only started a couple of years ago and it's only. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was a little extreme there, but it's it's a little extreme. But hey, that's who I am. I go, I go extreme sometimes. I like to ask the crazy questions. <laughs> but yeah, it, it just if I'm down there in Atlanta, don't go insane. You're barely you're barely keeping 500. Let this season die in peace. Well, we'll see what happens down in Atlanta now that Acuna tore his ACL. And again, the home run derby is about to begin. But Casey Bryant, we'd like to thank you for coming on and good luck in in uh, in Illinois on your next chapter. But we will definitely have you on uh, again. We hope when uh, you know when you're available again. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to go enjoy the Derby. I just saw one of Shohei's warm-up swings, and it legitimately hit the top of the stadium. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I, I may be very wrong with my story. <laughs> uh, looking forward, I'm going to go heat up that crow that I just set up for myself. And uh, you guys have a great night. Uh, thank you very much, Casey, for coming on. Oh, my goodness. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we would like to welcome in the – uh, the Green Bay Packers beat writer for The Athletic, host of the podcast, head of the pack, Matt Schneidman. Matt, thank you so much for coming on here, and welcome to the Primetime Rundown. How are you guys doing? Appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Matt, I, I want to start with you here first, because this, to me, is really nearly like childhood coming to an end almost, and seeing Aaron Rodgers possibly not coming back to Green Bay uh, it's really weird, especially now I'm, I'm going to be 26 in the month and really all I know about the Green Bay Packers is Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And now he could be gone. Talk about what, you know, what you have really covered with him throughout the years and, you know, what the deal is out, out, out in cheese country. Yeah, it's only my third year covering the team entering my third year, but what I do know is just the sense that I've gotten for how the fan base feels. How, yeah. Uh, you know, this passionate fan base feels about potentially the end of the Aaron Rodgers era. Now, I'll preface that by saying I think he plays for the Packers this year. I think he will be at training camp. That's just a gut feeling. Um, Packers aren't going to trade him. I, I really don't think they have no re. I mean, their reason to would be to get a massive haul in return if they really don't think he's going to show up. But uh, you just can't have on your resume if you're general manager Brian Gutekunst that you traded the reigning MVP when he had three years left on his contract. And I think ultimately Aaron comes back to play for his teammates, the fans, the the coaching staff that he likes. I really think it's only the front office and maybe President Mark Murphy that he has an issue with. But 
Yeah, I, I think the feelings of the the fan base, the community this this off season have gone from uh, confusion to you know anywhere from frustration to anger to you know I think it's now shifted to all right, whatever happens happens. I think people are sick and tired of you know nothing happening, and they're, they're just like you know if Jordan loves our guy, we'll turn the page. If Aaron Rodgers is the guy, great. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. It, it really isn't to see how, uh, you know, we've heard rumors. We've seen people on Twitter say over the years, Aaron Rodgers has been mistreated because Jordan Love was drafted. There were times when the offensive line, there was no help there. There was nothing on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and really, you know, you go out and you draft a quarterback, which really could have been a snub towards him or anything along those lines. Ian Schreier, I want to get uh, get to you on this one here. It's difficult. You know, I, I, I kind of I agree with Matt. I think, well, you know, initially I wasn't sure because there was all that talk of him potentially going to Denver. And uh, it seemed like he had just had had it up, you know, with with the front office uh, in Green Bay. And uh, we're, we weren't sure if the reigning MVP was going to return. Uh, you know, to uh, to Lambo. But my question for you, Matt, is I kind of want to play devil's advocate here for a second and and say that Aaron Rodgers doesn't return to Green Bay this fall, and mm-hmm. uh, what, you know, whether whether it be he becomes the next host of Jeopardy or whatever whatever it may be. Um, but for for the Green Bay Packers, when you look at Jordan Love and you realize he's coming now, I believe what into his second training camp. Um, you know, with the Packers. Um, you look at the NFC North as a whole and you say to yourself, the lions are rebuilding. The bears are rebuilding. Um, that's the only team that really presents as, as a, a true test to the Packers at this point are the Minnesota Vikings. So um, do you feel, I mean, obviously they're, you know, they have a rising star in Minnesota with respect to obviously having Dalvin cook, but also having Justin Jefferson. Um, do you think that from what you've seen of Jordan love, that there's any reason to doubt that the Packers are still the front runners to win their division? It's tough because all we've really seen from Jordan Love is what he's done in OTAs and minicamp, and that's against a skeleton defense because, you know, they're not really running in, in full time. Jordan Love didn't play in a preseason game last year because COVID canceled the preseason. Uh, he didn't dress for a regular season game since he was the third stringer, nor did he dress for a postseason game. So, you know, we asked quarterbacks coach Luke Getze a couple months ago, how ready is he to play in a game if need be? And yeah. He gets, he just said, I don't know. And that's not saying, Oh, Jordan's bad. It's it, that's the truth. You don't know how game ready someone is till they play in a game. So, right. you know, people have said he has qualities of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He's got a strong arm and he's mobile, but there are so many intangibles that go along with playing quarterback in an NFL game, reading defenses, pre-snap, post-snap, commanding the huddle, running the two minute, um, I still think the Packers are the favorites to win the division, even if Jordan Love starts, just because of they have one of the best rosters in the NFL, quarterback position aside. They have the best wide receiver, in my opinion, in the NFL. Um, they had the number one pass blocking and run blocking offensive line in the league last year, according to uh, there's a there's a cool pass block win rate, run block win rate stat from ESPN um, that the Packers ranked number one in last year. They have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon in the backfield, Robert Tunyon as tight end who tied for the league lead among tight ends and touchdown catches last year. They don't really have a great defensive line or linebacking core, but they have the Smiths and Rashawn Gary uh, as a really good edge rushing trio. Then they have a really good secondary with Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage Jr., uh, Adrian Amos, and Kevin King if he's healthy. So 
even if Jordan Love starts, I don't think it'll be a disaster from the quarterback spot, but um, I, I think they still have enough around him to win the division. Yeah, Rob DeLuca, take it away. Sure. Yeah, Matt, thanks for coming on. I like I like I like having you here. It's we're having a great show. Let's let's keep it going here. Let's let's let me piggyback off of Ian a little bit. Let's say Aaron Rodgers is gone. Someone who seems pretty adamant about wanting Aaron Rodgers to be his quarterback would be the number one wide receiver of the Packers in Devontae Adams. So let's hypothetically say Rodgers is gone. What will it take to keep Adams happy and stay in Green Bay as opposed to walking into the front office and saying, hey, you dumped my quarterback. Get me out of here. Yeah, I think it'll be really tough to get him to stay because um, I think any team who wants Adams is going to be willing to offer him number one wide receiver in the league money. Uh, the one scenario I could see to keep Devontae Adams in Green Bay long-term without Aaron Rodgers is if you trade Aaron Rodgers to Las Vegas for Derek Carr, because Devontae Adams and Derek Carr are close to best friends. Um, I believe Derek Carr hit Devontae Adams 24 times for touchdowns in 13 games their senior year at Fresno State. So they know really they, they were dominant in college together. They both went in the second round of the 2014 draft. But then is Derek Carr just a one-year rental? Let's say they trade Aaron Rodgers midway through training camp, which I don't think is going to happen, not even close. But hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, let's say they trade Aaron Rodgers midway through training camp to the Raiders. Does that really change Devontae staying long-term? Because wouldn't Derek Carr just be a one-year rental uh, right. before Jordan Love takes over. So even if they did bring in Carr, the, the, the point is they want Jordan Love to be the next quarterback of the future. They don't want Derek – if they trade for Derek Carr, they don't want Derek Carr to be the next quarterback of the future. They, right. they would just require him because just in case Jordan Love isn't ready to start yet. That's why they brought in Blake Bortles because if Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up, there's no guarantee Jordan Love is ready to start yet. Now, Bortles might not be a better alternative, but he at least has some experience. So um, – and yeah. also, yeah, uh, I, I, if Aaron, Rod yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you know, you know something, Matt. I, I was going to bring up too, and 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 these guys know Ian and, and Rob know that I'm I'm, I'm the you know the the big uh, the salary cap guy, and just looking at some of uh, you know some of the numbers here, and also something else too that you know I, I'm an Eagles fan, and 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 I know the 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 heartache of of trading Carson Wentz and getting right. that the 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 largest uh, the largest dead cap hit in NFL history. And, you know, obviously by looking at our friends at SpotTrack, uh, seeing what the dead cap would be or the hit would be, would be $21 million post June 1st, obviously. So it would only be a $16 million uh, wipe off there for this upcoming mm -hmm. season. But, uh, Ian, going back to you uh, with Devontae Adams. Yeah, I, I, my question, Matt, and with respect to really the receiving corpse is, is I want to look back on that NFC Championship game against Tampa Bay simply because of how they were able to limit Aaron Jones and limit the rush offense. And then also in a, in a way, even though he had nine receptions, contained <coughs> Devontae Adams from really spreading down the field and really hurting them down the field because of that Tampa Bay secondary. So uh, th there's been a lot mm -hmm. of questions raised about who's going to be that next man up in the receiving room. I know we saw it last year. A lot of it was Alan Lazard. We saw a little bit out of, uh, especially in that NFC championship game from Marcus Valdez Scantling um, who, who really, emerges from that wide receiver room aside from Devontae Adams that could really push the Packers over the top this year. Yeah, it's interesting because the common refrain around the Packers that you hear is that they need wide receiver help. But 
you look at the NFC Championship game, Adams, Lazard, and Valdez-Scantling, I believe, combined for uh, 16 receptions, 244 yards, and two touchdowns, while uh, Kevin King got torched all over the field, or I should say that any cornerback not named Jair Alexander. I think Valdez-Scantling and Alan Lazard would be the two guys. Uh, I would say a dark horse name to keep an eye on is Devin Funches. He uh, was in the Super Bowl with the Panthers his rookie year back in 2016, I believe. Uh, in 2017 and 18, he caught a combined 12 touchdowns with Cam Newton as his quarterback. Now, 2019, broke his collarbone in week one with the Colts. 2020, opted out because he had a family member die of COVID. Watching him at OTAs in minicamp, he, he, or I should say minicamp because wide receivers didn't really show up to OTAs. Uh, watching him at minicamp, he's built like a receiver. Does that translate to games? I don't know, but he's physically imposing and I think he could be uh, a nice little piece here. Also, don't forget Amari Rogers, rookie third-round pick, the slot receiver from Clemson for Trevor Lawrence last year. Uh, he, he could be a really nice player if they find kind of a gadget role for him in this offense and from the slot because the Packers really haven't had a, a real slot receiver since Randall Cobb. Yeah, and, and, and something I want to bring up here just to switch back to where we were discussing earlier about the offensive line and, you know, how – uh, years ago, he would uh, Aaron Rodgers, that is, would continuously get sacked. And is there any help uh, aside from Corey Lindsley? And we have to realize that Corey Lindsley is gone. Uh, he's out in Los Angeles now. So, Matt, I got to ask you this question now with, you know, with, with the longtime center for, uh, for the Packers. He's now gone and now out in Los Angeles. Uh, where do the Packers go? Do we see... Uh, second round pick from this year, I believe, uh, Josh, um, Josh Myers. Last yeah. Yeah. Last Yeah. So yeah. Thank you for filling in the blank there. <laughs> Do we see him possibly taking on this new role to be, uh, you know, the anchor of this offensive line? It's possible. I still think it's going to be David Bakhtiari. He's mm. the best. He's the best offensive lineman in the NFL. Uh, certainly the best left tackle was named a first team all pro last year, despite playing only 11 games. That's just how good he is. He tore his ACL. In practice on New Year's Eve, while they were preparing for uh, the Week 17 game against the Bears, I think the Packers would have made the Super Bowl if they had him uh, because the protection at tackle was really an issue in the NFC Championship game. That that being aside, you know, Bakhtiari is going to be the anchor. Elton Jenkins is one of the best young offensive linemen in the league. He was a Pro Bowl starter last year. Yes. Uh, can play any of the five positions, which is incredible. He's given up one sack in his career. Uh, that's according to PFF. But the key point, like you said, is going to be Josh Myers. They lose the best center in football and free agency in Corey Lindsley. He was a first-team All-Pro last year. And they bring in this guy from Ohio State. Ironically enough, both Lindsley and Josh Myers wore number 71 at Ohio State. So if they get, if they get uh, even a little bit of Lindsley out of Josh Myers, they'll be happy. Uh, and then at right guard, you'll probably have Lucas Patrick or John Runyon Jr., um, being an Eagles fan, you obviously know who John Runyon is. Oh yes, I do. Uh, his son, John Runyon Jr. The the rook last year was a rookie out of Michigan, uh, sixth rounder. He could be a nice player. You know, he, he played well when he had to fill in last year. Lucas Patrick is kind of that utility guy in the middle. Then right tackle is going to be Billy Turner. Um, but Josh Myers, if Aaron Rodgers is starting, it's going to be interesting how a rookie and a you know thirty seven year old future Hall of Famer interact. And then if you have Jordan Love and Josh Myers, it'll be interesting to see how two guys who have never stepped foot on an NFL field for a game uh, are partner together. So uh, either way, it'll be interesting. But it certainly does look like from early indications that Josh Myers is going to be the guy. 
Yeah, it's 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 really really crazy stuff, fellas. Because uh, you know, again, we you know completely circle back to where we started. Aaron Rodgers uh, possibly not coming back. It's you know, Match Nineman believes that uh, he will be coming back. But uh, guys, uh, Matt, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on here tonight. I really appreciate it. I know Ian and Rob appreciate it as well, ladies and gentlemen. One final time. Uh, the Green Bay Packers beat writer for The Athletic and the host of the podcast, Head of the Pack, and on the bottom, on the ticker, uh, Matt's Twitter is on there, so <laughs> please give him a follow. And Matt, we hope to have you back on in the future. We really appreciate you coming on here on this Monday evening. Absolutely. You know where to find me. I'll, I'll be happy to come on anytime. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Have Thanks, a great Matt. night. Yep, you guys too. Thank you. Well, fellas, so uh, Matt Steinman, uh, great man, uh, great, great, uh, great yeah. author as well. Great uh, writer, beat writer as well for the Packers. And uh, let's keep moving forward here as we begin our full preview of the NFL and we continue on with the NFC North. Uh, guys, let's get to the Chicago Bears here. Uh, they are a team that uh, Matt Nagy, the head coach, said just a couple of weeks ago, that if the double doink did not happen uh, against the Eagles in 2018, they would have won the Super Bowl. LOL to that as an <laughs> Eagles fan. Uh, but yes, he did come on record to say that. Ian Schreier, Rob DeLuca, not even going to ask you about that, but let's look ahead to the Chicago Bears here in 2021. Where do they go? Because honestly, I could see the Detroit Lions being better than the Chicago Bears. It's it's a tough time to be a Bears fan right now with all the unknowns at quarterback, no less. But I mean, because you don't know who's get who's getting tapped week one. It's starting to sound a lot like uh, not Justin Fields, so which is making a lot of Bears fans angry. So nonetheless, it sounds like Andy a lot Dalton. Of Giants fans happy. That as a as Giants, I was just going to bring that up. It looks sounds like Andy Dalton starting, which is music to Giants fans' ears. Because what that means with the Giants owning the Bears' first round pick unprotected, Giants fans are. Looks as if that we might have lost Rob. Oh, okay. Uh, Rob, we just have to. We just have to ask you to repeat. You said the Giants are, and then blank. The okay, so the giant, the Giants. I could be a game show host. I could be Alec Baldwin from Match Game. Go I ahead. Love, I love the sound of go. The but Giants I, are blank. Continue. The Giants are hoping the Bears. Uh, Giants fans are essentially hoping that the Bears finish zero and seventeen with one of, uh, which isn't going to happen, but. What is going to happen here is they are going to regress because the fact that they're not even in a in a in a place that the Bears are in, you'd think you might as well give Justin Fields the shot anyway. Like, what do you have to lose? Andy Dalton's not going to carry you to like three, four, four and zero start. This is that's not what's going to happen. So, I do think it's a good time to be a Giants fan because the Bears are likely going to struggle this season. That the Giants are going to have essentially two very high first-round picks, which is vital to their rebuild. But staying on course here, it's a tough time to be a Bears fan. And at this point, they just have to be hopeful that this season will put Matt Nagy on the hot seat and then eventually yeet him into the sun where they no longer have to deal with them. 
Listen, I'm going to tell you this, and, and Ian, I, I don't mean to interrupt you here, but I, I just want to just add, just add my two quick points here. And I think there's so many distractions uh, with the Chicago Bears, and it has to do with their potential move out of Chicago to Arlington Park, uh, where they just bought that land. That's another thing, too. Uh, obviously, that's not going to be massive in terms of uh, distractions on the field, but something that could very well be a distraction is the uh, impending free agency of wide receiver Allen Robinson as well, who does not want to sign a contract extension, who does not simply does not want to. Uh, it's not a good look there. Uh, it, it simply does not. It's not good. It's not a good situation over there. Uh, the way things are in terms of the quarterback situation as well, uh, it, it's it's not good. Uh, you've got Nick Foles. You've got Andy Dalton. You've also have you also have Justin Fields as well. And you cannot come up with a formidable one through three. And let's keep in mind again, even though I'm an Eagles fan, I could tell you Nick Foles' career has completely dropped off since he won the Super Bowl uh, in 2017. Why? Because he's not with Doug Peterson. He's not with uh, he's not with anybody in Philadelphia or anything along those lines. But uh, you know, all, all joking aside, seriously, uh, they need they need a true leader uh, at at quarterback. They don't have one. Andy Dalton did very well coming in for uh, Dak Prescott last year in in uh, in in Dallas. But let's be honest here: you need somebody to try and develop. Uh, Justin Fields, and I don't think Matt Nagy is the answer, regardless of him coming off of the Andy Reid tree that is known to develop quarterbacks. Uh, it's not the answer, in my opinion. There, I think da I think Chicago is the uh, the. I think they they're honestly going to be last place in the division uh, this year. Uh, I just want to get to a couple of comments from uh, our good friend Brian Morales before we get to Ian Schreier. Uh, Brian says, "Goff over anyone the Bears have. Also, at this point, can they release Foles already so my Jets can get a backup QB? Big prop, big props to Gettleman for fleecing the Bears. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, and then the second comment here: Ooh, and if Allen Robinson wants to come to uh, come too, I'm good with him coming to NYJ. Well, I don't know if he'll come to the New York Jets because you know, and I'm not saying he wants to win or that's a team that he can't win at. And you know, it's a team where he can get his money and he's not going to get it in Chicago. He's not going to be a winner in Chicago. It's possible he could get money with the jets. Are they winners yet or contending? No, far from it. Ian Schreier, uh, finish up with the Chicago bears. Well, what we have to remember and obviously, and if Brian, obviously we know you're watching and listening, but, uh, we, and, and we, thank you for that. And we, and thank you for that. Um, but, but our AFC East preview will be August 16th. Uh, that'll be the day we want to hear all of your input on the New York jets. Um, and uh, we do appreciate all the comments as always, Brian. Um, well, we have to remember one thing about the Chicago bears is that Mitch Trubisky never can't, you know, it, it never came to fruition. Um, I mean, look, they traded up one spot. They traded almost a full draft. Uh, to go up to go up one spot ahead of John Lynch with San Francisco and go get Mitch Trubisky and it never came to fruition. Um, now they're on. So I, I I don't I mean the only thing you can obviously task Matt Nagy with and and kind of put him on the hot seat for is the fact that one quarterback has failed and what's going to happen with number two. Um, what we have to remember last year about the Chicago Bears is that in the second half of the year their offense really started to take off a little bit. Um, and the fact that this team did not lose Allen Robinson was a big, big plus for the Chicago Bears. Um, there was a lot of talk that Robinson wanted out, um, that he was possibly going to be a trade bait at the draft. He never got traded, ended up staying with Chicago. So I think that that gives them a little bit of hype, not, not hype, but at least that I don't think that puts them in 
0-17 country. Um, I think that I'm expecting another good year out of David Montgomery. I'm curious to see how much we're going to see Cole Komet, the tight end from Notre Dame, progress in year two. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, and then on the defensive side, I mean, they're still strong on the on the linebacking side. You still got, you know, an, an older but still a veteran presence in Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith. Um, obviously, I'm leaving out one, an all-pro linebacker in Khalil Mack. Uh, but I think that's the, you know, the question for the Bears is, are they going to be able to stop anybody defensively, um, at least with, with respect to, excuse me, with respect to a pass rush and in the defensive backfield. And then on top of that, who's starting a quarterback? I mean, right now it looks like it's Andy Andy Dalton's job, but I think at some point early on they're gonna have to turn, especially now with having preseason games this year, they're gonna have to turn the keys over to Justin Fields because at this point you he is your future. Your future is not Nick Foles. Your future is not Andy Dalton. Your future is Justin Fields. You tr- again, you traded up to go get a quarterback. You traded up to go get Mitch Trubisky. You traded up to go get Justin Fields. So I'll, I'll be. I think this preseason is very very interesting. Uh, for the Chicago Bears, I would like to see Fields take first team reps this preseason. That that's how important he is to the future of the Chicago Bears. But to Joey's point, yes, I do think they're a last place team. I do give to Brian's point about saying Goff over anyone the Bears have. I mean, we have to remember the Bears and the Lions are both in the thick of heavy, heavy rebuilds. Um, they are still both teams. The Lions. Still- I'm sorry to interrupt you, Ian. The Lions have been in a rebuild since I've been born. Go yeah, on. Well. I mean, now that Stafford's not there anymore, we'll get into them in a second. But I, they, they, these are two teams that are not that are still three, four years away from contending. Um, so right now, Bears. I mean, listen, I'm hoping that I'm hoping they'll go 0 17. I would love to have the number one pick next year as a Giants fan. But um, yeah, I, I, I project them uh, in, in last place. I think they'll be less competitive than Detroit. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest here. Um, you know, we brought up the the many the many distractions that they've got. And then they also have a rookie quarterback that needs to develop. He needs time to develop. We'll see where that goes. Guys, let's keep our NFC North division preview moving here. And let's go to the Detroit Lions that Brian Morales brought up just a few moments ago. And he said, Goff over anyone the Bears have. Well, now I'm thinking to myself, I don't know about that. And I'll tell you why. Because who does Jared Goff have to throw to? He lost Kenny Galladay. He lost Marvin Jones. What else does he have? Not a lot there, Joey. Uh, yeah, not a lot there, Joey. I mean, there's it, it, it's it's really tough. I agree with Ian that the, the Bears will likely be less competitive than the Lions, but that it's going to be close. But yeah, the that does not say the Lions are going to be better by any stretch of the word. It just means that. The Bears have gotten that bad. That's really what that means. The Lions have yeah. not gotten better. Sure, they're finally starting to start over what was already a rebuild of a rebuild of whatever the heck you want to call it out there in Detroit because that's literally what it is. It's just a kerfuffle of things just never going right for the Detroit <laughs> Lions. The right there, Rob DeLuca, kerfuffle. I like that. That's pretty good. There's a lot of things never going right for the Detroit Lions. I think they'll be a little bit better than the Chicago Bears this year, but that doesn't mean they'll be good. I think that they're going to be sitting distantly in third place and only above last by a little bit. This, the, the offense of the Lions, there's just not a lot to be desired there outside of Goff. But like you said, Joey, who's he throwing to? Right, and, 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 and yes, see, Brian Morales also says good word choice. So now Tyrell Williams, 
New York Jets legend Brashad Perryman. I'm sorry, Brian. I had to say that. Uh, and also, let's not forget uh, former Green Bay Packers wide receiver Geronimo Allison. So uh, on paper, it, it's a it's an injury riddled wide receiver room. Uh, we know Brashad Perryman has had a disastrous first few years uh, in, in the NFL, and he's entering year number seven right now, uh, as is Tyrell Williams. And Tyrell Williams can't stay healthy either. And Geronimo Allison, uh, I don't think personally he can be that number one uh, wide receiver. Excuse me. No, keep him- but, I think he, but I think, Joey, he could be a decent number two or number three option. I think we saw him just be based on all the receivers in the room in green Bay, Geronimo Allison, uh, you know, kind of stood out as a fourth or a fifth option for Aaron Rodgers last year. Now granted, now granted the wide receiver room in Detroit is not as deep as the wide receiver room in green Bay. Um, I think what, what puts the lions over the bears slightly is the fact that their quarterback as Brian alluded to is Jared Goff. Yes. Um, and I think there's, you've got a guy who's got veteran experience. You have a guy who's played in a Super Bowl. You've had a guy who's played on the big stage before. Um, and I think that gives them a little bit enough of an edge. I, I think we need to see TJ Hawkinson take a step forward in his second year um, at tight end for the Lions. I think that's very important. But I also think a piece that we can't understate for the Lions is the stability, uh, unlike the Bears, of their offensive line. Oh um, my God, yes. De- yeah, if Taylor Decker can stay healthy, they've got a great staple there at left tackle. You've got an all pro in Frank Ragnow at center. And then you just drafted your left tackle of the future in Panay Sewell to come play right tackle out of Oregon. So I think that a lot, a lot is going to be run through DeAndre Swift, their first round draft pick last year out of Georgia to run the ball. I think they're going to be a run heavy team. I'll be very interested um, with uh, Dan Campbell as their new head coach um, to see if he, if he's, you know, he's kind of gives that gritty, exterior look of a, of a ground and pound like team. I don't know. Coming from new Orleans, you wouldn't think so. You would think they'd be more of a pass first pass heavy team considering the franchise that he came over from. But I think the fact that they have that stability in the O line, um, I would just like to see Hawkinson uh, take a step forward. And if Tyrell Williams can actually stay healthy and find his game a little bit, I think they might have a, you know, I wouldn't call him a number one wide receiver by any stretch, but I think he would be more than serviceable for God. Well, something else that we also have to bring up, too. You bring up the offensive line, but someone that uh, was paid big money following a Super Bowl win was Halapulavati Vitae from Philadelphia, and he has not panned out uh, for Detroit. Uh, He's looked like the pre-Super Bowl uh, Big V. And unfortunately for him, uh, he's, he, he might lose his job. Seriously, he, he just might. And, and the big thing that, that's really keeping him in Detroit right now is that contract. Uh, so we'll see what happens there because uh, there's plenty, continuously plenty of question marks in Detroit. Again, uh, they've, been, they've, they've been bad since I've come out of the womb. Uh, but <laughs> again, you've got a lot of pieces from Green Bay that have come over uh, to you know, really try and contribute here. Jamal Williams uh, in, the, in the running back core to replace Kerryon Johnson, who's actually in Philadelphia now, was acquired off of waivers. Uh, DeAndre Swift is going to now be that number one running back. Jamal Williams is going to be the number two. We'll see what happens with that uh, with that running back core as well. And that will all rely on the offensive line to see how well they could do uh, against the the rest of the NFC North and really, in my opinion, uh, their their entire schedule, which again is not really easy. They also have to play the uh, the AFC North, 
uh, that's going to be uh, another great division this year as well. Um, guys, let's keep moving forward here uh, off of the Detroit Lions. Let's keep on moving within the NFC North division. Uh, we've got one more team being the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, and and Anthony Tornatori, uh, the Eastern Observer's uh, lead writer for the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, thank you for all you do. Uh, with the Vikings, uh, you know, and, and covering them for, for us really appreciate it, but let's keep moving forward here with the Vikings guys. Uh, they are in a complete no man's land. Uh, we don't know where they're going to be. We have no idea how well they could do. Uh, I mean, I can't even call them an eight and eight team. They're just all over the place right now. And really there's, there's no direction for them. They just lost uh, one of their best safeties in Anthony Harris uh, they lost a few other pieces as well all across the way. Ian Schreier, uh, let's start with you here uh, with the with the Vikings. I don't really know where to go with them because everything is just all over the place. Well, I think they're a little better uh, than they were last year. Um, I think you, you, you know what you have from Justin Jefferson uh, right now as a number two wide receiver or a deep threat opposite the slot receiver um, in Adam Thielen. And I think that's going to make that offense that much better because when the the receiver opposite Adam Thielen was Stefan Diggs, it just, it just got Thielen so many more looks um, in the slot because you had to worry about that deep threat. So I think with that being established, I think that's going to make the Vikings offense that much more dangerous. Um, to me, the two, the two pieces that um, are the most important to Minnesota are a Kirk cousins and B Patrick Peterson. Um, defensively, uh, this was a team that last year went out and got Yannick Ngakwe. And we thought that between him and Daniel Hunter, they were going to have a formidable pass rush uh, to go up again and really challenge the Packers for the NFC North. And they were anything close to that. Uh, Daniel Hunter yeah. coming off really what was close, if not an all pro season, uh, really took a huge step back last year. Um, now what they've done is they've actually, they've increased, they've, gotten a little better in the run stuffing um, area because the Giants weren't able to retain him is Dalvin Tomlinson uh, now to be their nose tackle. So, I mean, he's not going to give you a, a ton of push at the line, but he's a great run stopper. So he's going to help you against guys like Aaron Jones in that division. Uh, but uh, for, for, the, for the Vikings, it's always been about their secondary. Um, so, I mean, if they can get a pass rush going, that secondary looks even better with guys like Harrison Smith and Patty P. Um, I think that they did actually – um, make a good move in getting Xavier Woods uh, to put to fill in, um, and Bashad Breland as well. Bashad Breland too. So yeah, yeah I, I I think they're 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 much further. I mean, now that it's seventeen games, we can't say eight and eight anymore, or eight and nine or nine and eight. I think they're all I right. Think they are, they they are a they are a ten win team. Uh, um, I think they could even you know especially if there's no Rodgers, I think they steal one against Green Bay at home. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're they're a double digit. Uh, you know, if they don't win the division, they are, I think they're a hundred percent a playoff team right now. So something else too is, is that we also have to watch too and see if the emergence of Justin Jefferson continues as yeah. well. We'll yeah. see what Dalvin cook can do. Uh, he had a phenomenal season last year. We'll see what that offensive line is all about. I and also, think, uh, Joey, I'm sorry to interject. I, I, I just want to say this one last thing. I think what, what really is important for Minnesota, it, what really factors into whether Minnesota makes the playoffs or not, it depends really what happens in the NFC West with, with, with just that loaded division. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I can tell you right now, obviously, in our, uh, in our 
season previews of the NFL, um, I could tell you that I believe that uh, the NFC West will have a pair of wild card teams. I believe that that three teams will make it out of the West, but we're not there yet. Uh, we'll go through the uh, the rest of that um, the NFC West later on in our preview shows down the road. Uh, guys, in addition to to the Vikings, I personally believe before we get to Luca, I also believe too that. Uh, exactly what Ian said about the secondary. That's where they've always started. They've always started from the secondary downward. And also, they also signed Sheldon Richardson as well. And, uh, and he was a cast off from, uh, from the Jets. Also was in Seattle. Tried to revamp his career there. He was also in Cleveland as well. Tried to revamp his career there. We'll see maybe if, uh, if the third time's a charm following his departure uh, from the New York Jets. Uh, you know, I, I think that, that really they, they can do something. I think that the NFC North is completely wide open. I will tell you that. And especially because of the, the issues in cheese country in green Bay, it's so tough to see and to say that the Packers are going to be just this runaway team in the NFC North, not even close. I think the Minnesota Vikings, again, they are in my opinion, still in no man's land, but I think that they're definitely a little bit ahead of the bears and the lions. And when I say a little bit, I mean like there's a massive gap and really it's the Packers and the Vikings on this side of the bracket. And then you've got the other two in the bears and the lions, really crazy stuff, fellas. However, um, how this NFC North goes. But uh, guys, next week will be, uh, the date is to be determined on when we will uh, have our broadcast. Uh, it does say on the bottom, Monday, July 19th, but that is an error. It's not a guarantee that it will be that date. So please, for those that are watching, it is still to be determined um, as we are hoping that Ian Trier will be with us. I know the 19th, uh, some of us do have some things going on. So we want to just make sure uh, that some of us are here uh, for that. Next week is going to be the uh, AFC South, so we will be uh, we will be previewing Carson Wentz's Indianapolis Colts. We will be uh, speaking about the Julio Jones acquisition to the Tennessee Titans. We will be speaking about the uh, the disaster in Houston. Will uh, will Deshaun Watson ever play again? And also the other team, Trevor Lawrence's Jacksonville Jaguars. Will they be able to live up to live up to the hype and win a measly one game? We'll see what happens there next week, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Uh, it's going to be uh, tons of fun there. Uh, guys, let's keep on moving forward here uh, as we are reaching about the final 20 minutes of our uh Episode number 61 here on the Primetime Rundown. Again, ladies and gentlemen, cannot thank you all enough for being with us. Ian Trier, Rob DeLuca, I'm Joey Jarzinga here, 840 uh, on the East Coast. And uh, just a little sports update here. Matt Olson was just taken down in home run derby, 24-23 to by none other than colon cancer survivor and Baltimore Orioles outfielder Trey Mancini phenomenal job i told you guys in the beginning with casey bryant it is completely wide open in coors field i'm telling you wild it was a wild finish joey it came down to the last pitch and and olsen just sent it foul you see you see 
telling you, we'll see what happens there because uh, now Joey Gallo and uh, Trevor Story are up to bat. But let's continue on here with our uh, with our hockey chat, guys. Uh, today, Duncan Keith was traded to Edmonton for defenseman Caleb Jones and a third round pick. Uh, guys, I know that we normally have our NHL talk later on in the season with, uh, or later on in, in the summer with free agent frenzy. Uh, we'll be having that obviously on July 29th, Thursday, 7 PM Eastern time, uh, should be fun. We'll have all the guys there, but before that happens, we've got obviously the expansion draft and we even have this trade to discuss as well. Um, so Chicago Blackhawks legend and not even not even a joke in the, in the word serious legend in Duncan Keith uh was traded to Edmonton for those uh for those two uh one pick and one player uh Ian Schreier, you've you've seen Duncan Keith for many many years in Chicago uh he made up that big 3 or really big 4 if you will at the time with Brent Seabrook, Jonathan Taves as well as Patty Kane uh now it's slowly beginning to uh, to spiral backwards. And now Chicago is in, again, another team that's in no man's land because uh, they only have $11 million in cap space heading into July 28th. I, I think this is a pretty good move for Edmonton. Is it? <laughs> I personally believe it is, and I'll tell you why, because they actually have a leader in that locker room. Yeah, yeah, I think that helps them from a standpoint of veteran leadership. The issue is Duncan Keith is also 37. Um, I think for the you're 37. What? You're 37. Yeah, not yet. Well, not not so not so good on skates there, Deluca. And I'm not 37 for another uh, 11 days. But um, with respect to uh, Duncan Keith, or respect to your point about the Chicago Blackhawks, first there, uh, Joey. I mean, we we expected. I mean, you want to call no man's land. I know they only have 11 million going into free agency, but uh, with respect to the Blackhawks. Um, this was a team that when we had our pre NHL preview on with, uh, with DB and Panyota last year, um, this was a team that DB projected the Blackhawks to be at the cellar, um, you know, uh, of, uh, of their division. And to be honest, they were a lot more competitive than people expected. Um, you know, I, I don't think we expected Malcolm Subban to be sitting there winning games for the Blackhawks in goal, but um, I think this has been coming at the seams for a while now for Chicago. Um, I think, you know, we, we've just seen piece by piece kind of fall off. I mean, at this point, it's really just Taves and Kane at this point. And every year they're just getting a year older. And I think we're well outside um, the point of discussing the Chicago Blackhawks as a contender. But um, with respect to Edmonton, yeah, I think it gives a uh, the Oilers a veteran presence uh, in, in that locker room alongside guys like uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Connor and Leon and guys like that. But um, I don't know what kind of position it puts Edmonton in with respect to being a team that can really uh, make any moves other than maybe a first round exit in the postseason again, just because they're, they're just a team that runs one line deep. Um, and that's, that's been the problem with the Oilers now for two or three years. It, it, it's uh it, it, the question becomes, and now you're trading draft picks. <laughs> you're, you're trading a third-round draft pick for, granted, a veteran leader, but a guy who's 37 years old is not the same player that he once was, and you're trading draft assets for him. So I, I don't know if this was necessarily the best move um, for Edmonton. Um, I guess if you want to talk about it from a leadership perspective, sure, but I, I'm not sure this gets uh, the um, the Oilers any closer to a cup. No, it doesn't. And and in my opinion, it, it definitely does not get them there. But I think to me, uh, 
it's it's good for it's good for the continued and I I can't even say development of Connor McDavid because he's already developed and he's just wiping the league away by storm. There's no doubt about that. But I look at guys um, like a you know a, a Darnell Nurse, uh, a, a player like possibly Adam Larson as well, New Jersey Devils legend Adam Larson as well. <laughs> Uh, and even the younger players as well that are beginning to come up here, Evan Bouchard, uh, Evan Bouchard, Philip Broberg, these two guys, uh, that they are, they are draft picks from early on, uh, in, I believe 2018, 2019, uh, they've got a couple years or rather, excuse me, 2019 and 2020, um, respectively, those two guys, they're eventually going to, uh, you know, make waves in, in the NHL. And I think that this is a phenomenal a phenomenal pickup because not only is Duncan Keith closer to his son, that was another thing too, was the biggest reason why he said yes and he wanted Edmonton, um, but also because of the possibility of Darnell Nurse not being able to resign there. Right now he's making $5.6 million. That is a big cap hit right now. And and obviously if he were to get traded, it would be for a rent, it would be a rental. But you never know what Duncan Keith could say to him in the locker room uh, that could potentially maximize his value if the Edmonton Oilers were to become sellers. Uh, in addition to possibly, um, actually, no, that's 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 uh, that's not the case. I actually s- stop right there on that. Uh, but Darnell Nurse is is really the the biggest piece, in my opinion, that really could. Uh, maximize here where if you have to sell Darnell Nurse at this trading deadline, you could potentially get that third round pick back. Uh, same thing goes with their second round pick, which is uh, is not theirs anymore. Uh, they only have a first round pick as well as a fourth, uh, a fourth, excuse me, a fourth, sixth, and seventh. And they also hold Pittsburgh sixth. Um, but does so- that make sense to you, Joey, with respect to where Edmonton stands right now with regards to rolling with only one line that that can create legitimately create offense in terms of, I'm sorry, say that one more time. I'm saying what I'm saying to you is you're talking about how, how they have a first, a third, I'm sorry, a first, a fourth, a sixth, and a seventh. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they're trading assets in an effort to try to build up leadership to win now, which they're not. No, it makes no do. sense. It, right. it makes no sense. But the problem though, what I'm saying to you though, is, is that with Darnell nurse, if you're able to trade for a Duncan Keith, especially when you've got someone like that, who wants to come play for you when Edmonton, yes, is a storied franchise, but the problem is that they are a laughing stock here in the 21st century. You've got to take that chance. And at that point, if they're, if you're only giving away a third round pick at this point, you're clearly not making a mistake because you've made so many mistakes in the past with I don't know let's 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 choose names out of the hat. How about Niall Yakupov years ago, <laughs> right? And you swing and miss about nine times me, right? on these first overall picks when really, let's be honest here, you've come away with a phenomenal one in Connor McDavid. That's about it. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, yeah, great, okay. He's 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 okay. He's got who you just who, who you just extended. You did, but at a very at a very reasonable five point one two five, very reasonable, and that's exactly why I believe that they did it too. In addition to if they can't if they have to become sellers, Darnell Nurse has no clause or anything along those lines. And there's evidently, in my opinion, if they were to bring back Larson, if they were to bring back. Uh, a, a guy like uh, Dmitry Kulikov at a very uh, cheap deal. Uh, it, it, to me, it's it just it, it's it's a no-brainer that Duncan Keith, in my opinion, if 
I think that this is kind of their going for it. They've got nothing left to lose at this point. You have to you have to make moves, and if someone wants to come play for your franchise, especially with a player uh, with a resume like Duncan Keith, you make that move and you kind of use him as a pawn to really attract players over to you. When you can't get out of the first round, you're going to be buying out Nico Koskinen. You're also going to lose someone in the expansion draft. I'm sure they're hoping it's someone like a James Neal, but who knows? We'll see what happens there. Um, but this team is is definitely in no man's land again. Chicago is too. Um, but I think that this is a smart move for Edmonton, especially if you want to get guys uh, that could come play for you in the next year or two, uh, whether it be cheap acquisitions or or even a, 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 a you're, you're not making a big time trade, but even just to re-sign certain players, uh, this is a good move in my opinion for Edmonton. I get Rob DeLuca. Go ahead, yeah, look, I'm going to disagree with you, Joey. This isn't what Edmonton really needed. Duncan Keith's 37. He's also not that good anymore. But I get I get the aspect of veteran leadership. That's exactly what he provides. No doubt about that. He should not be getting big-time minutes out there. He should be playing bottom pair at, at most. He is not what he used to be. He hasn't been what he used to be in many, many years. And, and it's not going to be a first. He's not going to be a first no, pairing defenseman. No, no not even so. they, No, Edmonton already has that. And nurse, yeah, they've right. got and Nurse and Bear for things like that. But th this could essentially be the end of Adam Larson's time in Edmonton. In Edmonton. Yeah. Th this is it for them, uh, for him possibly. And it, and it, it, he opens up a lot of options to a lot of teams. He would be very important to a lot of teams out there. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But overall, with the trade, I think Chicago made out beautifully as well. I think Chicago oh, I got, a, I got a growing – Caleb Jones is only 23 years old, I believe. He is a young kid. They also got a third-round pick on top of that. But the, the, this kid specifically is pretty good. And it is, like he put, He's a depth player. But he played his role respectfully – Respectfully and admirably in that in that role. So and he's got room to grow because he's only he's so young, he's only twenty-three years old. So I'm very curious to see what will come of that for him. But for Duncan Keith, Duncan Keith's not bringing anything to the on ice product in Edmonton. He's there no. to he's the, he's there to whip the guys up and young kids up in shape, keep everyone happy, maybe. Maybe the name will help sell some season tickets. That's about it. That's but it. You know, it's it was like when the Athletics brought in David Justice. It was like, right. right. That's exactly it's right. And 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 I and I the name will put it in the face. So, yeah, yeah. Ian Trier. Yeah, ahead. that's that's no, pretty much the premise of it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a veteran presence, like 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 Rob is saying. That's he and I are on the are on the same page with that, with regards to say, saying how. The, the Oilers, like, it, it, it would have been a great move for them if this team was ready to compete for a cup. They're not ready, and they're not there yet. And uh, this is this team cannot afford to be continuing to leverage their assets um, for players right now that 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 would, would mean you're in win-now mode. And I understand when you have players like McDavid, like Dreisaitl, you know, like Nugent Hopkins, like guys like that where you feel like you're in win-now mode, but – I just don't know what what juice they're drinking, what dream they you know they keep seeing, uh, because they just continue to be a first round exit every single year. 
Well, that's exactly why. That's exactly why I I brought up the fact that with Darnell Nurse, he could potentially maximize his value if he's able to whip these guys into shape, especially with what he's been able to do with the rest of the defensemen in Chicago. He's able to really do that and bring that veteran leadership to a guy like Darnell Nurse, especially if they are not a contending team, which we know they're not. And I guarantee you, come next trade deadline, there is no doubt in my mind that they are going to be sellers. And especially with that third round pick not being there and that second round pick not being there, as well as the fifth, they're going to be looking to recoup that. And who better than your biggest asset right now in Darnell Nurse, who is a former first round pick making a very reasonable $5.6 million. And I'll tell you why it's reasonable. Because if you hold that sal, if you if you hold that back, the retained salary about two and a half million dollars, you can do you you can get a a good haul for Darnell Nurse because he is a very good defenseman and a first pairing defenseman as well on a cup contending team next year. So really, right now, and on top of it too, the guys that I brought up in Bouchard, Broberg, even Ethan Bear as well, these guys are going to not only benefit from Duncan Keith's presence. Like we said, I agree with Ian and DeLuca. It, it, the trade made no sense until you look into the mentality part of things. This team needs to be whipped into shape. They cannot do anything in the playoffs. We saw what happened with Winnipeg here in the North Division this past year. They were embarrassed. They also like have Miko. Ka- like if you want a good example, Right, a good a good example. Look at the Washington Capitals and what they've been able to do and what they've been able to sustain for years. They have top offensive talent complemented by defensive stars, and this is a team that doesn't. Ha- Edmonton's a team that doesn't have both, nor do they. Nor do they roll enough lines deep to even be competitive on, on, on the playoff level because they think for some reason they're going to win games seven to four with mediocre goaltending and no defense in front of them. Yeah, and you know what? And again, really who you can thank for the Miko Koskinen signing? Do we remember a guy named Peter Shirelli? Yeah. Remember him? Yeah, he's the one that signed that contract for Miko Koskinen, former New York Islanders legend, by the way, Miko Koskinen. Uh, yeah, just we have to keep that in mind uh, as well because it, it's it's really sad to see um, what is going on in Edmonton, but that is the only logical reason for that in addition to being closer to his son. That's really it. And again, exactly what DeLuca said, you're bringing that veteran presence in Stanley Cup champion because I look on this roster, I see nobody actually with Stanley Cup experience. A legitimate zero. That's correct. With Stanley Cup experience. The only one? Oh, wait, nobody. Okay. So, Zach Cassian, right? Uh, yeah. Nobody. That's about it. Nobody's got the final experience. Duncan nobody Keith has that. Exactly. That's about it. But so, it's not, it's not going to help the on ice performance now that he's 37. No, it's, it's not. Awesome. It's not going to help the on ice performance. But what I said is that it's going to help that locker room performance that I could tell you. And the mentality may be a little different. Will it, will it show up in the, in, on the, on the standings? No, probably not. But it, again, it's the development part that this team has has gone down to, and that's where I'll leave it off there. Well, well the problem, Joey, and, I, and I'll conclude this way, is the fact that these divisions are going to revert back to the way they were. Thank and, God. 
and Edmonton, because remember, let's remember the division Edmonton played in this year, unless somehow Edmonton finds it, finds what, you know, I, I don't even know how have the words to put together for it. If Edmonton just can't, doesn't have that push of what they need to make the playoffs, then the duck and key signing really doesn't, doesn't add up to much. No. I disagree. Uh, guys, we'll leave it at that. Uh, let's keep moving forward here. Uh, Stanley Cup Finals uh, review. Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, nice and easy. Four games to one against uh, Montreal. Um, kudos to Josh Anderson for scoring that goal. There's no doubt in my mind uh, that that was a gift from above from his former teammate, uh, Mattis uh, Kivlinix. Uh, for those that do not know, he uh, suffered a traumatic uh, blunt force trauma to the chest uh, due to a faulty firework, uh, more specifically for the firework experts, mortars. Um, again, uh, we don't want to get too much into that, but uh, Josh Anderson, though, uh, did a fanta- fantastic job in year number one of his big contract that he signed with uh, with Montreal. Uh, but Tampa Bay is just too good. They're uh, $18 million over the cap, as uh, Nikita Kucherov said, uh, or had on his shirt as he was uh, holding the Stanley Cup, which, by the way, broke. Um, it is broken, and we cannot get that. I, I, I can't. I couldn't get that up fast enough before the show began. But uh, the Stanley Cup is dented, yeah, and it's dented badly too. It, it, the, the, the bowl on top is, is, is nearly recyclable at this point. Uh, Rob DeLuca, you got to see Tampa Bay. Uh, this is the beginning of a dynasty. Uh, but is it the beginning of a dynasty with an asterisk because they're over eighteen million? It, uh, yeah, no, this, this team was good. This team's good enough. The, the, the moves the, they made took advantage of bad NHL rules. They're going to get changed more than likely to make sure this doesn't happen again. And for the record, no, I think this is the start. Of, this is the start of something special. The core of Tampa Bay is not going anywhere. I expect a lot of the uh, depth guys to not be there next this next season it's just that's the way things go especially when you win back to back which is rare these days so you're gonna see a lot of core guy or depth guys that that are out of contracts probably take discounts to go home to their hometown teams because that's what you know you you've won your cups you've got you and you want them back to back so you're 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 satisfied on that end so You'll see a lot of guys like Blake Coleman will go home to Dallas, for example. Maybe Pat Maroon finds his way back home to St. Louis. Who knows? You know, and, and Stanley Cups follow Pat Maroon, actually. So actually be on the lookout for wherever he goes. Well, we'll see where he goes. But there's also a lot of talk, fellas, too, with Tampa Bay that um, not everybody that you may think might come back. And the reason being is because we are in the flat cap era. And there are some signings that might need to happen. Uh, There were talks about uh, the possibility. First off, you need you you need the uh, you need a backup goaltender. They don't have that uh, right now. They're they're also working with zero cap space heading into this upcoming offseason. They they need they need uh, a, a lot of things really to do. Uh, and, and it's really, it's, it's not, it, it might not be the way that we're going to see things play out. We don't really know what's going to go on in Tampa Bay, but I think it's going to be, you know, the way that we're thinking of, but there's some rumors going around out there that, 
uh, guys like a uh, Kalorn or possibly a Sorelli or maybe uh, a Yanni Gord uh, that 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 could be uh, a part of a mini exodus, if yeah, you will, because of the cap problems that Tampa Bay is now getting. Let's not forget Braden Point. Uh, he's an RFA with arbitration eligible next year, making six point seven five million. And Andre Palat, uh, five point three million, very very cozy five point three million to Tampa Bay. He can guarantee we can guarantee he'll be making upwards of seven million uh, after this uh, this year is done. But uh, again, congratulations to the uh, to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, I'm getting a text message here from uh, from Tyler Adele. Uh, saying to acknowledge his comments. Well, uh, for Tyler, who's actually my business partner here, uh, let's be honest here, Tyler. If you know about us, you have to uh, comment on the Eastern Observer page, buddy. Okay, you don't comment on my page or anything along those lines. You have to acknowledge anything on the Eastern Observer side of things, and then we'll be able to acknowledge it. So there you go. I feel like he of all people should have known that. Exactly. Well, that's exactly (laughs) what... What I would think as well. So uh, unfortunately, I can't acknowledge your comment if I can't see it on here. So uh, let's keep moving. Well, thank you for your comment anyway, but uh, I, I wish I, I wish I saw it sooner. Uh, guys, let's keep moving forward here. Uh, we've come up to the conclusion of our show. We're up to our sports update here. Uh, the legendary, the legendary Pierre Maguire. Uh, is going to the front office in Ottawa uh, as the senior vice president of player development. Well, let's. I just want to bring this up here. Uh, as we could see, Rob DeLuca is beginning the segment of what really grinds his gears. Uh, but no, they, ha- they actually had a show called Pierre Knows Everything. Pierre Knows Everything. They actually had a show in Ottawa named that, and it was a radio show. And Sportsnet, the ESPN of Canada, made a comment about it, and they were actually mocking that. I don't I I don't know why Ottawa would take a chance on Pierre Maguire, but hey, listen, he does have the experience. He claims he knows everything from from inside the glass. Does anyone want to add any comments to that? Rob DeLuca definitely does. No, he doesn't. He'll he'll know where every college player is from. He'll tell him he'll tell everybody. Oh sure. There's nothing there's nothing to add here. There's nothing to grind your gears about. This is just stupid. I love what Pat. I love uh, what I wrote. What I read the other uh, today about how Pat Verbeek said when he uh, was fired as the coach of the Whalers, I think it was in '93, uh, that it was the greatest thing to ever happen to the Hartford Whalers. Mic drop. <laughs> Guys, let's uh, let's finish let's finish this up here with our kudos. Um, let's start with Ian Schreier. Your kudos goes to first. Uh, my kudos first, actually, uh, well, we already celebrated him and congratulated him, but I wanted to individually celebrate uh, the accomplishment of our own Casey Bryan and uh, congratulate him on his uh, appointment with the Vermilion County Bobcats uh, in uh, Southern Illinois um, and wish him the best of luck in his uh, position as the Vice President of Communications and Broadcasting. Um, uh, no one like Casey Bryan living the dream between that and his uh, comments about Jared Salta-Lamakia. But, uh, but, you know, uh, my other, you know, I just kind of came up with this other kudos because I saw it today and I, and I had to mention it and I know we don't have the picture, but uh, the photo of um, Nikita Kucherov on his boat wearing the shirt that says 18 over the cap. uh, That was uh, a a pretty (laughs) lit moment to say the least 
Uh, wow. Back to uh, Kucherov, wow. and uh, wow. <laughs> even though with his with his press conference moment of being shirtless, but on the boat, eighteen million over the cap. Um, kudos to you, Nikita Kucherov, on not allowing you or your team to uh, let you bo- let that bother you and win and win a second straight Stanley Cup. Unbelievable. Uh, Rob DeLuca, your kudos goes to. I brought it up. I brought it up a month ago, baby. I said that you watch out for Italy in the Euro 2020 tournament. And look, lo and behold, my people are now champions of Europe. The (laughs) The greatest country in Europe by far. It isn't even close. What a tournament. What a performance by Team Italy. Way to come back against England in London at the Wembley of all places to just battle. Gianluigi Donnarumma, you are the new, new face of Italian soccer for the next 20 years. Gianluigi Buffon retired. This was your first major event as the goalkeeper, and you just did spectacular work all tournament long. Good for you. Good for the Azzurri. What a beautiful time to be someone of Italian heritage. My kudos goes to our very own Al Carl for getting married this past Sunday, just about a little over 24 hours ago. Uh, he celebrated his marriage with a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal woman, Stephanie, uh, and I had the pleasure, as well as Tyler Adele, Uh, to be in attendance at this wedding in New Jersey. And we would like to say to our good friend, Al Carl, a big congratulations on what was a phenomenal wedding. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, from the Eastern Observer to you and your entire family, as well as the Pro Wrestling Pick'em family, a phenomenal partnership. Congratulations, Al Carl. You are my kudos for this upcoming week. Uh, Guys, just want to come up with a couple of more comments. Uh, Brian Morales says, great job again, and always, guys, thank you very much, Brian. And for Tyler, who uh, you would think he would know what to do, uh, he actually claims he has a good reason for this. Uh, I would like to apologize as my brain at the moment is mashed potatoes. Uh, Well, with that being said, I mean, we know that, uh, but, I mean, thank you for putting it in words. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, episode number 61, once again, uh, was presented to you by Black Cats NYC. Really good stuff there. Let's get to our final thoughts here. Be sure to subscribe to the Primetime Rundown by searching the Primetime Rundown on the following platforms, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, as well as YouTube by searching the I-95 Sports Network. Also, tomorrow night, episode number 62 of the Essential Wrestling Podcast presented to you by Pro Wrestling Pick'em will come your way beginning at 6 p.m. tomorrow, July 13th, right here on the Eastern Observer. Also, be sure to tune in every Monday through Thursday on the Eastern Observer as the Daily Wrestling News Show will come your way beginning at 10 a.m. with Minutes to Bell Time's Ryan Joy. That begins at 10 a.m. Eastern Time tomorrow on the Eastern Observer. Guys, all good things here. Episode number 61 comes to a conclusion, but next week, be sure to follow the Eastern Observer on all of the platforms, Instagram, 
Twitter, Facebook, even YouTube, and follow us on the bottom. You can find all the information on the bottom of the ticker for all information, Eastern Observer, as well as the primetime rundown. For Ian Schreier and Rob DeLuca, I'm Joey Jerzinko. For all of us here at the Eastern Observer and the Blackjack Media Group, we'll see you next time.